Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show. Plays about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen, joined by Kelsey Lewin. Hello. Joined by Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. And joined by you, the person watching or viewing this episode of a video game podcast. Don't be alarmed. We're talking games today, folks. Uh... Hang on, I'm just studying Janet's expression during a new attempt at an intro. Okay, I give it a <laughs> solid, flat response. I love it. Uh, we, on this episode, are going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Uh, some of us on this panel have played it. I won't reveal who until a couple minutes from now. Uh, we're going to be talking about rumors of the next Nintendo console, the Switch 2, whatever the hell you want to call it. Let's unpack all those rumors because they're heating up more and more. Uh, we're going to be having a little follow-up discussion about Sea of Stars. Sarah, have you played Sea of Stars? I have. Great. Then we're going to be having a little follow-up discussion about Sea of Stars, everybody. The RPG we talked about last week that's uh, 16-bit inspired. Uh, Then Janet and Kelsey were at PAX. We'll be sharing uh, some of the highlights from PAX there. And then we're going to get dorky in the best kind of way and talk about the making of Karataka, uh, the new documumentary game from the same team that made uh, Atari 50, which, Kelsey, I'd argue. It is Karateka, which I learned through this video game, and I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I don't ever want to call it Karateka, but it it is it is Karateka. Just I'm because sorry. that's how Jordan Mechner like he no he has this one of the videos oh, in yeah. there specifically. I, I it's it. like yeah, yeah. oh no, that is how you pronounce it. Yeah, but I think it's a GIF GIF situation. Like there are plenty of people who were still pretty influential that call it Fair. Karateka, and it just sounds better to say Karateka. But you it know what? Sound. It's before my time, so you pronounce it how you want. We're gonna unpack all that stuff. <laughs> um, then back after the show, we have some great questions from the community, which are submitted over there on Patreon. Uh, first things first. Uh, probably a lot of you out there are like screaming, shouting, shrieking, saying, where is more Starfield discussion? I'm playing the game. I want to hear other people talk about the game. Please never stop talking about Starfield. We won't, but that'll be happening uh, next week. Uh, Haley McLean's excited to jump in. Leo Vader has been uh, really enjoying it. So we're going to be talking about Starfield a little bit more next week once more people have had a chance to dive in now that it's actually officially out because the timing's all weird. Uh, and special shout out as well to everybody uh, who last week uh, jumped in and supported us on Patreon at any tier. We sent out all of those Xbox codes for hundreds and hundreds of Xbox games. And so if you're wondering, if you supported us last week, and you're like, where did that code go? It's in your Patreon message inbox. So go check that and there'll be a, a nice shiny code waiting for you. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. The Direct happened uh, last week right when we were launching this episode. And so I thought, ah, oh, did we kind of miss our window? But then uh, interviews kept rolling out for Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and then some folks got to play it at PAX, and so I was like, okay, this is, we are still in the big run-up to the new 2D Mario game. <sighs> Let's see, uh, did you all watch the Direct, Kelsey and, and Janet, or did you go in and just jump in and playing it was your first kind of long exposure to this thing? Yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch the Direct oh, fine. at all. So, I mean, obviously I saw the trailer for it the first time they revealed it, but... Yeah, that was it. I think I was traveling the day they did the direct. So oh, I was right. like, well, if I'm not going to do a live reacts, a lot of times I just skip those things. Right. I'm like, it's all right. Like, I'm going to play it. So and then I got there and it was there and I was like, oh, spoilers for the game. <laughs> the game is here. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of little things. That was going to be the exciting thing about the direct. It's just it seems like maybe just directly compared to a lot of the, you know, the new series of Mario, they are just packing in a ton of small ideas into this. It just feels like little ideas spread across the entire experience. And maybe like the biggest thing is this badges system 
where you can equip different things. And like, you know, they're, they're big on showing off like new power-ups from Mario Brothers Wonder as well. Like, okay, you got the elephant thing, which captured the internet's imagination. Of course, elephants was the secret to everybody. That's what everybody loves on the internet. Elephants was the answer. Um, and then it's like, hey, you got uh, a new ability, a, a new uh, power-up where you can blow bubbles out. It's like, that seems okay. You got the screw power-up. That seems okay. But then like this badge system. It's like, okay, also I guess you can equip this if you want. And suddenly it's like, having a vine grappling hook in a Mario game. It's like, that looks way cooler than any of these power-ups. No offense to the elephants and everybody who worships the elephants. But, I mean, I could blab away and talk about the direct, but both of you played it? Janet and Kelsey, did you play it together, co-op? Yes, we Ooh. did, yeah. Okay. Was that our first time playing a video game together? It might be. That's I think that was. Wait, no, we've played Animal Crossing together, right? I guess so. I mean, I've probably gone to your island. Yeah, I guess that is different, though. That's a totally yeah. different experience. Yeah, just yeah. stand and watch somebody <laughs> run around an island. Uh, okay, so biggest impression, biggest takeaway, when you get your hands on Mario Wonder, what stands out here? It's weird. Mm-hmm. It is, um, and like, I am still trying to figure out, I think it's going to take till I'm playing the full game to fully form an opinion. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I think it's going to feel real weird for a Mario game, like a real... Like, it, it's different. It, it definitely feels different to play in, like, a, I'm not just doing the normal 2D platformy thing that's solid and um, maybe there's cool powers and whatever. It, because of the badges system or because of the power-ups or because of the Wonder I think, Flower? I, like, I think it's a little bit of both. The power-ups, yeah. at least, I mean, we didn't do the bubble one. Our demo only included the drill one and the elephant one. Um <laughs> The drill one felt different. I would say Elephant feels like it's... I mean, obviously it's weird, but it's like still in line with like a Mario power-up. Right. The drill one is not a kind of Mario power-up I have ever... It, it feels like it's off somehow. And again, I don't mean this in a bad way. I just right. think it's like... It feels... It feels like, um, you know, a really, really, really good studio that grew up playing Mario games... Mm. And is making Ooh. something a little different that like feels as solid as a Mario game, but like doing some different stuff with it. That's a really interesting idea because I don't know if you checked out uh, the whole blast of interviews that shot out there that uh, Nintendo lined up for this thing. But they have uh, Tezuka involved in all the interviews who's been with Mario series since the beginning. Absolute legend. I mean, director of three world uh, link to the past ton of Nintendo games. right? Um, but then also Shiro Mori, who I wasn't familiar with. But he's the director for this game. Um, and it's his first Mario game that he's directed, as far as I can tell. Like he was a programmer. He was the he was a programmer on the mini games in Pokemon Stadium. Like that's where he <laughs> got his early days. Hell yeah, finally. Those are excellent. That's Hell right. No. That's right. Lick a tongue <laughs> special. Here we go. Um, and then he was a programmer on a bunch of Nintendo and Mario games. And he was like the uh, a programming director for Mario Brothers U. And then, I guess, was mm. technically the director on Mario Brothers U Deluxe, so like the Switch port, which is kind of a, a messy thing. But it is interesting, like even having Nintendo do press for a new 2D Mario game and no Miyamoto interviews. So to your point about it feeling a little bit different, Kelsey, it is like a slight, it feels like changing of the guards within Nintendo. Because even they were in IGN's interview, they were talking about how Miyamoto didn't have that much input on the game. Like he would come in and check stuff out every once in a while, but he had a moment of walking in and saw the early idea for elephant mario and he's like that does not look like a mario character to me i don't know what this is so i guess it's a nice sign of nintendo evolving if it just means we're going to just pack these games with weird ideas you know 
I mean, the the old guard is going to die at some point. Hey, whoa, I, whoa, Cassie. You can't just say Miyamoto's going to die. Are you out of your mind? You, him. you can't I, just say I, that. Tessica's in that, in that camp, Stop, too. stop. Like, Why don't I just somebody say check we're the news. all going to die? Is he still alive? <laughs> somebody check the news. Kelsey, you just want to point at people watching and listening and scream at them they're going to die as well? For the love of no, Christ. No, yes, actually, yeah. No! We're all going to die. Um, <laughs> and all your video games are going to get game rot also. <laughs> <laughs> Technically. Um, my point is, like, it's better to start this transition to, like, I don't know, expecting new stuff from a Mario game and, like, just expecting these new ideas and seeing, um, I don't know, like, I think this is a very smart way to do it, to have, yeah. like, a Tezuka-someone-else combo, you know, because yep. you're, like, yep. you're still getting some old guard Mario, and now we're injecting some of the new people into I mean, not that he's new he's been with the company since the 90s but like mm-hmm. you know we're injecting some new ideas into this and it's not going to be this like wild transition of like this is unrecognizable as a mario game i have no idea what's going on it's just it's just a little weird and a little off i mean it's a similar and philosophy. i think it's cool yeah yeah it's a similar philosophy with the charles martinet thing i guess a little bit right like He's getting a little long in the tooth. Like, we're going to make this transition at some point. And I guess this is the game where Martinet is not going to be voicing Mario. And there was a there was a VGC interview with Charles Martinet where he talked a little bit about that. And he said, quote, I am now a Mario ambassador. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder well, that's that's that was 100%. When I read that, I was like, they just felt like they couldn't get rid of him or everyone would yeah. be real mad, including yeah. him. So they just, like, made up a role and they were like, yeah, yeah, you... you Mario ambassador. That's yeah, right. Yeah, but no yeah, one can yeah. be mad. You sit on the council of Mario in that there is only you and you don't have any opinions on anything, but yep. you're on the council. Right. You oh, have yeah. a quorum. No doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> Janet, um, I know you're a big Yoshi's Island fan. Are you a big 2D Mario person? Like, what was it like for you to, to jump into Wonder? Um, yeah, Wonder, my impressions are it's fast. Fast. Uh, I said it's uh, the most Sonic-y Mario's ever been. Not in a bad way. I know oh. some people have strong Sonic opinions. Um, go, the levels Sarah. are super short, at least for what we played. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, and um, it kind of remind a couple things stood out. One, um, Kelsey immediately pointed out the, um, like, when we were playing, the fact that the jumps are, like, you kind of just have your standard jump. There's not, like, a lot of chaining of jumps, which is very classically Mario. Like, you can't really do that like they have a badge that lets you do the the you know when you jump and you hit r and you do like a little spin yeah they have a badge that lets you do a version of that but it's oh, not weird like baked into the core so the core is kind of a stripped down version which might be which might speak to like the ways that kelsey described it feeling weird because it doesn't have those like classic cores i think we're used to and it reminded me a little bit of like yoshi's island in the sense that like with the drill ability like just the idea of drilling down to the ground and zooping around the ceiling, like the degree to which they're leaning into Mario as transformative instead of just his abilities being more additive. So if you think of something like, you know, the um, like Tanuki suit or the, you know, wing cap from back in the day or whatever, like I think a lot of times Mario's abilities have enhanced an existing concept. Like he can jump a lot. Now he can fly or he can you know, he can glide, like, the jump is longer. Like, it's kind of really playing right. with the bass. While things like the elephant, things like the drill, uh, I'm not really familiar with how the bubbles function, but they sort of are more, um, like, gimmicky, for lack of a less negatively charged term. Sure. Again, I don't think that's bad. I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, I think the other thing that leans into the speed, at least in the two levels we played, is they had a lot of those kind of um, moments where you had an enemy grab, like, the big coin and run really fast. So stuff that kind of forces 
your hand to run through the level. Like there was a point where, you know, we were playing and Kelsey's like, Jan's going real fast. And I'm like, I promise I'm not trying to like just speed run this demo. But like <laughs> I wanted to also like get the things and you kind of, you know, in those moments, you do have to kind of pick what you're doing. Are you going to explore like the nooks and crannies or are you going to like right. go after like the big coin that like you're sort of kind of conditioned to chase in, in Mario games. It sounded like the rep wasn't completely sure. You asked a really good question that was something like, are you going to maybe need some certain badges to find certain yeah. you know, secrets and things stuff. in the yeah. level, whether that's just like, you know, you collect all these things or there's a secret um, exit or something like that. They said, they sort of said no, but they said it in a way where I was not at all convinced that they actually knew the answer <laughs> One to of that. Those, One yep. aspect of that, though, too, to kind of add to like you bringing that up, because I, I felt like a little bit more confident in their no, but one thing that stood out to me is when we were playing, um, so we played one standard level and one optional harder level, or presumably optional at least. I, I guess they didn't. I think we, we did two like yeah. regular levels, but one of them was like super tutorial. Yeah. The next one was like kind of a real level. And then we had a choice between easy level or difficult level, which yeah. I, I did not find difficult. Like we got, we got hit a few times, but it was not like a, they gave you a lot of power ups and okay. stuff in that one. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think the hardest part of it was there was a point where you, um, again, kind of like when you needed the power up. So if you lost it, like at a point, like Kelsey had like lost her power up. I like had the drill left and I was kind of just like sensing through the world. Cause I'm like, well, I've never, you know, we just got, it started the game. Right. So that, that part was a little bit tougher, but it definitely wasn't like, you know, tough in a like hard, oh, hardcore platform, which it makes sense. Like Mario's not really known for that. I know we have the moments of like the, if you 100% an Odyssey, you like saw God and stuff. Like I get, like I get. There's the that, uh, high end stuff yes. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can get up there for sure. But in general, that's not really what the franchise is, is known for what sure. they kind of lean into. Um, but the thing that stood out to me with the kind of completionist angle of it is there was a point where we were in the level and they had like the Yoshi egg like in a block and they mentioned oh, only Yoshi can get that. I don't know if that like would if you need the Yoshi to get that to like see like a secret like that part I wasn't sure about. Um, and there's like a big cast of characters, but some of the characters are technically like easy mode characters. Like what was the thing, Kelsey? They can't take damage or something. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's like the I think Nabbit, Nabbit is the name yeah. of the thing. And, yeah. and Yoshi, too, I, is also. Easy yeah. Mode. But they had a, they had like four different colors of Yoshi, which I was really excited about. Then they were like, oh, don't, don't that's the baby mode. Don't pick that. I was <laughs> Stay like, oh, away okay. from the cute thing. Don't be yeah. a fool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wanted to be yellow Yoshi. That sounded cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, on the secret. Yeah, they, they can't get the power ups, but they also can't die, I think, is the oh, way they explained it. Oh, also, oh, it's like kind of like younger sibling. Like, yeah. this is for my yeah. younger sibling. They just kind of games. follow along, and yeah, I, that's I, so I do cute. Kinda, I do kind of hate when they like lock that to a character, though, because to your point, Yo yeah, yeah sorry, to your point, Yoshi. To your point, Kelsey. Um, I mix those up all the time for some reason. <laughs> um, to your point, Kelsey. <laughs> my like, nickname. I know. I like to just pick whoever I want, and then um, I think it'd be much more. I'd, I'd be much more appreciative if they just let you toggle on and off. But I think it's also part of um, again, not to kind of get too in the weeds of away from what the gameplay was and our experience was, but I think that also speaks to Nintendo just is obsessed with not with doing things differently to be different. You can just make an easy mode. You can just make a no damage toggle. Like I, I guess it's yeah. kind of cool. They like to bake it into the lore of the game, but sometimes I think that's at the detriment of 
giving players more freedom to have differentiated experiences or also clarity, I think, in what you're selecting as well. Yeah. Well, I, I can also just see a situation where you've got like a, you know, baby cousin who really wants to be Mario, but yes. it's like, oh, sorry, bud, you can't mm-hmm. be because that's hard mode. Yeah. You're not good enough. Right, right. Yeah, on the secret front, they said in the Nintendo Direct that like, you know, there's the Wonder Flower, which makes every level get trippy in a different kind of way. And there's some really wild stuff. Like one of them that they mm-hmm. showed is like, if you get the Wonder Flower, then you start walking on the walls behind you. It almost looks like a Zelda perspective then, where it's like a weird isometric view as you're like walking. It's just really cool, weird stuff that's a possibility. But apparently you can also choose not to get the Wonder Flower in a level, and then you might find some secrets that aren't there if you decide mm. to to trip out and go for the Wonder Flower route and stuff. So they, they're definitely, in all the interviews, they're teasing that like this is unbelievably packed with secrets. So if that's your flavor of Mario love, uh, might be for you. I uh, I wasn't on the podcast for the reactions to the reveal of this game and stuff. I, uh, I was surprised by how in love everybody is with the art style and saying like, it, it feels like 80% new Mario series to me. Maybe I need to like, okay. Okay. Thank you. I feel like I need to see this maybe on my TV. Maybe that's the difference. I'm like, I appreciate the changes they do have, but it's not quite the revolution that some people are really making it out to be. I think it does look good. Like, I guess, well, is it fair? I don't want to put words in your mouth, Hanson. Is it fair that you maybe, how do you feel about that new Super Mario Bros. art style? I think it, I think it's bland. It, whatever. Right. Like I, like, I okay, like so, those games, but yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it's it's something about it's a little garish to me. Um, Ooh, garish. You know, it looks a little ugly. Like the new the new one, the yeah, new yeah, Super yeah. Mario Bros. one. But I agree with you. When I saw this initially, I said, "Oh, they, th- this is a better version of that." Right. And then a lot of people in the replies were insistent of, "This is totally different." Like, yeah, no, this is like. Not even close, and I'm like, mm, it's kind of similar. I do think I li- I like how it looks though. Okay, like, I think they they like make for me they smoothed out the aspect of New Super Mario Bros. U that didn't look good to me into something that does look good. But I definitely agree that it doesn't feel like you know a revolutionary look for Mario. It's just I feel like it's a little bit more iterative, but I think it's positively iterative. Yeah, I remember we interviewed Miyamoto when uh, Mario U came out, and he said at that time, I forget if it was him or Tezuka, but they said that like. They're like, yeah, this is just the way Mario looks in HD. Like, we don't know what else we could possibly do with the style. And I remember hearing that at the time, you're like, God, that's such a bummer. And then another interview with Miyamoto, I got obnoxious and was asking him, like, oh, would you ever make a 2D Mario game with the art of, like, Kotabe, like, kind of the instruction manual, old Nintendo art? And he was like, ah, I don't think so. It's like, maybe now I'm just too in love with that idea of, like, God, if you just went all and made it actually look like the old, you know, box art for Mario 3 in, like, a Rayman Legends kind of way instead of... I know they're they're getting a little more expressive with the animations in this one, the character models, but it's still that 80-20 split that yeah. I, I can't The animations are really, like, thoroughly thought out. Um, no offense to the existing animations. Like, obviously, thought goes into every aspect of making a product, but the way, like, you... And again, it's like a small thing. Like, it's not going to change like your opinion on the game if you like it or don't yeah. like it. But um, like when you're Elephant Mario, like the way you kind of struggle to get out of the pipes and even just like the way you climb <laughs> out. I, I did notice that, that it stand out to me a little bit. That's fun. I will also say uh, a weird thing that I noticed and people might not agree with this, but I feel like the sound design and some of the visual design is a little mobile game. Ooh. And I, that's Ooh. not like an wow. insane criticism. I don't think like, uh, I'm not like, yeah. and therefore it's garbage. It's just like, there's kind of a lot of like little noises going on that feel to me a little more, um, it's a little more like mobile game or casino even Ooh. where it's like, Ooh. I can tell they're trying to do a little like 
keep my attention, get a little, you know, mm-hmm. here's a little flare here, here's a little flare there. Yeah. It is like an overwhelming, I will say it wasn't, it is an overwhelming experience to play the game, at least the way we played it, which granted, you could walk like much more slowly, like through the level. And also we had like Are you saying that you sprinted throughout the levels, Janet, and just left no. Kelsey in the dirt? Is that I, well, what Kelsey, I'm gleaning from this? If that's your experience, I don't want to silence you. You can't you know, <laughs> no, no, laugh no. if I... No, it was just the one time. Yes. And I think, yeah, I, I didn't realize you were just chasing after an enemy that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I promise point. this isn't like the cloud of my speed running of Mario <laughs> to not even complete it. You know what I mean? But like, I think just, especially with three people total and when she goes up to four, like just there's a lot going on on the screen. It's a little bit, it is a little bit of an overstimulating experience but uh, granted i think think that's all i'm getting at it's like there's just there's just more happening on screen both visually and with the sound design is this like nintendo trying to get the ipad babies is this like the new generation of like ipad baby games because it does seem like my brain i've heard yeah in interviews they're like really trying they're really aiming for like that younger new mario audience yeah you know like the ones who've always had screens in their hands always watching something like you got to have your subway surfer in the corner you got to have your minecraft jumping puzzle you got to have your mario wonder like that even by the art style i notice all kids animations are kind of leaning more toward this like 3d soft yes Mm. look like they're they're all starting to kind of like look the same to me as like that's just what kids stuff tends to look like so maybe this is their attempt at like a new market. Well, I do wonder. Which is if, not us. Well, but then again, I think <laughs> there's still going to be plenty of hardcore Mario fans that are going to be gaga over this thing. Like I, I, you know, controversial take. I've never loved a 2D Mario game except for Yoshi's Island, which Any I will count. I, not I mean, even like, like Mario Land, Land? Like little, or yeah, Mario like the World. I, I like those games, but in terms of like really loving a Did game. Did you play Six Golden Coins? Yeah, I didn't beat it. Damn. Yeah. That's my favorite. Really? I love it, too. Yeah, okay. Golden Coin Stan. Yes. So I just, I, I'm not coming from, like, the hardcore Mario super fandom uh, for the 2D stuff in particular. So I, I'm a little more skeptical and wonder that a lot of people. But in terms of, like, the, um, you know, uh, grabbing a younger generation and stuff, I wonder if, like, the talking flowers is a big part of that. Like, and obviously, this game is in development. Just read? You they don't wonder. read anymore. Yeah. Right, you, you right. Want, you Yes, Kelsey, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, Thank Kelsey. you so much. Thank you so much for picking up on something that all of us yep. fast. Um No, but it, so I apparently have the option to mute the talking flowers that are screaming at you throughout this entire game, which is a really nice detail. Like Nintendo with that type of option feels very unique. Um, but I do wonder if it's like you know, the impact of the movie, even if these are in development at the same time of like if kids are going to oh, play God. this and be like, why aren't people talking? And their solution for that is, well, let's put a bunch of flowers in the background. They're like, we love you, Mario, or whatever the hell they're saying back there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, At least they brought back Princess Daisy. Yeah. As a Princess Daisy fan, I'm really glad they, like, took her out of the storage room. They dusted her off, and they said, you can be in something that isn't Mario Party, Mario Sports, or Mario Kart. Right. Oh, Good to see her back. I didn't like Toadette. I'm a certified Toadette hater. Oh, interesting. I love her. The little, like, bulbs that are, like, I don't really know if that's her hair or pieces of her skull that are connected. I'm not really sure. She raises yeah, too many that's... questions. She, she raises a lot of questions, but she also, I'm sure she has a lot of answers if we just open our hearts and our minds. Yeah. Um, I love Toadette. Yeah. That's like one of my main in Mario Kart, uh, Toadette on a little motorcycle. But I didn't really notice this while I was playing because I was, again, it's hard to take it all in when it's such a, sure. it's a 15-minute demo we had. Um, but there's no collisions between the characters, I don't think. Right? Because no. like, you used like, to be like, able just, to jump off each other. You it's chaos. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. You oh, gosh, could like I... double jump. That's what I someone told me right. who also demoed it. They're like, there's no collisions. And I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. oh, I didn't pick up. But I also don't feel like I was bumping into you guys either. But again, there's 
so much going on like so quickly such a short time i don't that's know that's huge uh yeah it looks like other people are talking about it no collision that's really okay. interesting thank you for, huh. for hitting the, getting to the googles real yeah. quick i wasn't Total, you know what I mean? It's like one sure, of those things sure, where it's sure, like, sure. how did I not even notice that? But nope, And totally. then the last thing I, I want to shout out, just because it's like, you know, multiplayer game, uh, the camera favors player one. Like, it is assigned to player one. Yeah. Um, I do not believe that you can, like, map, like, I want it to be player threes or anything like that. No, you can't. No, it, oh, it's, it's, okay. it's whoever started the level, because there was right. one okay. level yes. where oh. I I think it, the camera was on me and one where okay. it was on you. Okay, okay. Interesting. Cool. So you so, get the little crown over your head if you are like the person who started the experience. Yeah. Right, right. Sweet. Uh, there's one other little detail in an IGN interview that I enjoyed where they're talking about like, oh, the younger developers, are they just in awe of working with Tezuka and what's that? what that's like, yada, yada, yada. Um, and Tezuka said in this IGN interview, there are a lot of people on the development team who want to talk to me. Within our, <laughs> within our development area, we have some small tables with snacks on them. And those are really just traps to entice me to come into that area. So when I'm lured in to take a snack, that's when they pounce and start talking to me. <laughs> I love that idea. It's like this legendary developer. Like, we got to get him in here. We want to ask him questions about Mario 3. Quick, just put some snacks on the table. We got him. We that got is him. honestly like, that is the pinnacle of office culture. Because office culture <laughs> is like, hey, would you like to work while also being constantly interrupted? Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. You don't miss office culture, Janet? Mm-mm. Really? I mean, I like being in person for content. I just don't want to be like, while I'm doing my emails and having to play an embargoed game, I'm also like, I must be in a room with people who will walk up and ask me about the game that I'm working on covering. Right, right, right. Oh, I do. I am Outside nostalgic. Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, I live with Isaiah, so obviously I'm not li- living my whole life uninterrupted, but it can be, they're fun conversations, but then you look at the clock and you're like, oh my God, it's lunchtime and I have, I, I didn't even <laughs> gotten anything really yeah, done. Yeah. You just got to say good and nod and move on. That's, uh, that's his key. Um, we should talk a little bit about uh, these rumors about the next Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch follow-up is probably a good way to put it. I mean, f- what is it? 2018? All these Switch Pro rumors? It does feel like a weird redux of now everybody's coming out of the woodwork again. Because what back in the day, Bloomberg was like, they're developing an upgrade to the Switch. It's going to be the 4K Switch. It's going to be big. It's not the successor. It's just like the PS4 Pro equivalent. And then it seemed like due to chip shortages, Nintendo axed those plans if those rumors were indeed true and Bloomberg seemed to stand by them. But now rumors are heating up again saying, uh, looks like 2024, uh, this next Nintendo handheld slash console is actually going to be happening. And maybe even at Gamescom, people got to see it. They're starting to show it to developers. It's at that point where kind of the, the rumors, again, this is a lot of internet hearsay swirling, but even people like Jeff Grubb, who's a pretty good track record with this type of thing, is like, hmm. I think there's something to this. I think 2024 is going to be the year for the new Switch. Um, do you want to hear some hot rumors? And you guys can yay or nay them based on what your what your gut tells you. Um, sure. So this thing, uh, leading leak rumor is that the next Switch is going to be backwards compatible, which, thank God. Yeah, uh, I'd hope so. Cracks for I, Nintendo stuff. Right. I would certainly hope so. For the most part. Uh, new cartridge format. So sticking with cartridges. But sure, of course they are. Yeah, like well, we're supposed to be saying if we if we agree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah guys, probably. Are they gonna? Is it just gonna be like a micro SD card at some point? Like how small are these cards? Oh they literally God. cannot get any smaller. Like the DS is as small as I'm willing to go for any sort of like game right. cartridge. Yeah, and maybe all cartridges, Sarah, do taste funny, but just the Switch cartridges are so small, like compacts the flavor down. So that's why it tastes just like a bitter warhead in your mouth. Have you tasted it? We've all tasted. Have you looked? Well, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You haven't? No. Okay, right behind you. Grab one of the I, Switch I boxes. I honestly would do it now, but I, um, the I'm using this like 
heavy duty <laughs> mouthwash that makes my mouth taste kind of weird after I use it. So I feel like my um, Sense like of taste? I won't give you a good review because I'm I've been compromised. <laughs> well, there's only one way to find out. Get licking. Uh, also, they say there is a new camera feature on the next Nintendo Switch. Uh, I don't know if I need that. Nay? I don't. It does. Nay. Here's a way. Like I think an that AR that's true. thing. Because right? the DS had that, and it sucked, right? Where um, you could put your face on the little like things, and you could the shoot. The 3DS, yourself. yeah, it had face that. Raiders yeah. was yeah peak gaming. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I like thought the it was peak cool. That Nintendo can do with the camera. I'm cool. I I like that stuff back in the day, but it is weird. Like I I did like the camera on the Wii U. I thought it was really fun in Nintendo Land when you're playing Mario Chase, and the person who has the gamepad, like their camera, is put up on the main screen. You remember, so you can like look at all their. Experience and stuff like there were fun little gimmicks with that and it is it is odd that they didn't include that at all in the switch so maybe that would make sense i could i could see that if they have to like i I guess big picture wise i'm so happy with the switch if it's just a more powerful switch with like one tiny gimmick that we can ignore pretty easily that is mission accomplished by a mile for me but i just don't know if nintendo is capable of one giving you what you want well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, right? That's, no, but genuine. And again, I'm like, I love Nintendo to pieces. Nintendo is a very frustrating and confusing company in terms of how they do a lot of the things that they do. So it's like, it it's hard for me to even imagine this existing just because I'm like, I I I just can't imagine them not touching it way more, even though like, why would they? But I'm yeah. sure internally though, there are discussions the they have. <laughs> yeah. But that's like more. That's more iterative, though. Right. Like if they and they did that with like the, the Switch Lite and and things like mm-hmm. that. But I mean, it is weird Switch to think- Two. That's just a better Switch. Like I hope so, but I don't know. I mean, it's been since like the mm-hmm. NES to Super Nintendo. I feel like where it's just kind of that clean of like it's a more powerful version, basically, yeah. of what you had before. So unless I'm forgetting about a generational gap, but I feel like they always have to have a super unique angle, something to really lean into. What but- if they bring back the Kisekai plates? The DS had those little plates you could remove and like swap out. I love that so much. I think the girlies would love that for the Nintendo Switch. Give me much more ways to accessorize. I already think like I already think they have not leaned nearly heavily enough into the Joy Cons being Mm -hmm. really like different. Like they have they've got some good colors and everything, but I mean, how long has the Switch been out? And I feel like we have just a like very solid handful of special editions and colors and stuff where they could have gone like give me like translucent every color mm. give me some with like just you know little flowers on it or yeah like just like a generic or like just all kinds of you know like they could be going so much generic cute every phrase, franchise I mean, should have a set of joy cons there yeah. should be kirby joy cons there should be like Star Fox joy cons just you know all all of them are you saying this as a businesswoman or uh, as a fan uh, both, but mostly okay. as a businesswoman. Like, <laughs> okay. Genuinely, like, I think that... Okay, so I thought when they announced this, I thought it was genius, because I was like, they don't need to do special editions anymore. They can just do special edition Joy-Cons, and right. then we don't all have to feel like idiots, because we're just, like, buying another special edition console. Yeah. Totally. After we already bought the launch console, because, oh, now they made an Animal Crossing one, and I gotta buy that, or whatever. Yeah, like, and I, I did feel like an I idiot I bought, like, five that. 3DSs. I did, I did feel like an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought, like, I would like to stop feeling so dumb, Nintendo. <laughs> and, it's possible. And that's stupid. They don't, like, they're gonna get way more people if they're selling you an $80 yes. product, like, ten times yeah. than, like, you know, getting you for one more switch. So yeah, I don't think they leaned nearly hard enough into that. I was convinced that that was going to be like a huge part of their strategy. And it's just been kind of like 
fine. Yeah. I think, too, mm-hmm. when you talk about the modularity of the device, like, even if you did want, because, you know, obviously the Animal Crossing Switch comes with the Animal Crossing dock, but I feel like creating a modularity within, docks. Yes, within the dock mm-hmm. would be, yeah, more dock, either whether it's yeah. more docks that you sell or what my dream would be, which is like, give me a dock that has the modularity of the PS5 when it comes to faceplates, because again, much lower acquisition situation. Now, I will say one problem that PlayStation didn't think about, and maybe they're just like, that's your problem. And I'm like, that's, that's fair, is I took the faceplates off to put the pink ones on, and like, where do the other ones go? And they're so big and they're slanted, like, there's not like, and there's not like, they don't sell like a case for them or something. Right, like, I don't know right, what I'm right. doing. I'm just like, I'm just shoving them in the, in the closet, hoping I don't end up buying more because like, I don't want to throw them away, but also like, they store so awkward where at least the dock is a much more traditional shape because it is like a little rectangle. Like you could slap on things like with the DS. That was the whole thing too, where they had that model that could do the face plates and then we couldn't. So like, and sometimes you can get a case that does it, but yeah, I think too, the last thing I'll say on the, the customization is like, that's very much a huge part of the culture uh, in terms of like you go on TikTok. And you see what's quote unquote the Nintendo Switch girls. If you know, you know. Oh my god! Uh-oh. And you know, you know. Or Ben, do you know what a Nintendo Switch girl is? No clue. I'm okay. kind of delighted that I don't know. So, like, Sarah, how would you describe a Nintendo Switch girl? Because you know what I'm Nintendo talking about. Nintendo Switch girls are specifically very aesthetic internet girls. They're you know their aesthetic is very like cute, cozy. Lots of pinks, lots of like nature greens, lots of baby blues. Sarah, and you can just turn around in your chair and just wave your arm like this. This isn't good like, enough. We're not, this like, isn't go good enough. This isn't good yes. enough. Oh, but okay. Like, yes. Essentially, all they do is they make these like social media videos where they're like set up their entire desk and they'll make themselves a little snack and then yes. they'll take out their Nintendo <laughs> Switch, which is perfectly themed yes. okay. down to the Joy Cons, okay. the button yeah, covers, like it's all the dock, it's all aesthetically and it all coherent. It all matches. Yes. Their yes. snack matches, and sometimes people yes. have like snack. like you talked about the pastels and the greens, but there's also like the girls that get into the yellows, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like kind of like a bee, like a like a like a hive kind of cozy honey vibe. Okay. And you mentioned like, oh, that's us. I wish that was me. Like, I, I don't have enough of a cohesive look. Like, I know I have some pinks. Like, I have girly stuff. Like, I'm not like, oh, no, I have, like, a broed out rig. Like, I have girly stuff. Sure, it's cute. <laughs> but it's not cohesive. Like, I didn't right. commit to something. Like, it's like the Switch is Animal Crossing. The mat's blue. Like, the keyboard's pink. It's, yuck, like, yuck, they have, yuck. like, everything's the same. And they also have the little thumbsticks, too, which I think Nintendo can mm-hmm. get into. Because like, a lot of... People are doing mm-hmm. that on theirs. Um, but here's, anyway, uh, here's also a I want better hardware. Are, but. Are the, <laughs> I mean, moral of this story is that if you sold a bunch of different aesthetic packages for people yes. at the lower price point, at the price of just the Joy-Cons or just the dock or something like that, you'd be selling so many more of these because yeah. sometimes I feel like having a pink switch and maybe sometimes I feel like having a yellow switch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Mood I would ring do that. We'd all options. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably 350, 400 for the new thing. What was the old one again? Is it uh, Switch launched at 300. The OLED is 350, and there's the rumors are ooh, look looks good. Ooh, that's very cute. Yes, holding up for Joy-Con. Excellent. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The rumors are that this uh, the next Switch successor will not uh, will not have an OLED screen either. So probably. So you said it'd be. Is it? You said 399. I'm sorry for the price rumored. No, there's there is no rumored price. These are just guesses. I'm guessing 350 or 400 is is what. Yeah, because what's the? And I know I'm gonna. (laughs) I know these questions seem silly because like I'm literally in games, but I just forget because what's the PS5 and the like the Series X? Well, in the the US, it's different. I'm wondering like where in the market they usually do sit on the lower end. Yeah. PS5 600 for the not digital version, right? And then I think it's 500 400. I think 300 does sound right, but I wonder if they, they want to come in under the S. I, I think it's going to be 350. 
I think it just, I think, I mean, it's there's been I, a bit yeah, of inflation. I can't see it. Yeah. I can't see it being cheaper than the OLED. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. If it's if the OLED, yep. yeah. Yep, I think yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Right. That's, that's Maybe they're docked the price for the old OLED. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah uh, so there was also the rumor that apparently Final Fantasy VII Remake is running on this thing and could be a launch game. Again, rumor. That seems like an easy that one just like to lob out there. That's a wild rumor. Like, yeah. really running? Like, not in the cloud. Also, too, what I want out of the next Switch is I want us to throw that cloud stuff out of the window. I'm yeah. sorry. Yep. Honey, <laughs> if you can't run it, we got other... Pro- that's the problem. Or like, that, You know what I mean? Especially, well, too, because these are not, like, you know... Starfield's launching day and day on the Switch. I know that doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's an Xbox game, but wa- walk with me for a sure, second. Sure, sure. It's not like even that. It's like you can't play Control, like a game that barely ran when it came out on PC. You know, what I mean? it's yeah. like it's not even like this is a wild ask for you to just keep up with the market. And I just feel like the cloud solution hasn't been one that I've seen satisfy audiences. I mean, feel free to like hit up in the in the chat or in the con- like if you're really oh I no i'm so playing curious. the cloud and this is an, a great experience because i haven't heard anyone enjoy their time with that experience for those games that can't run but if the next switch is still ps4 level of tech if they have final fantasy 7 remake running on there you know even if it's like a, a good looking version of the ps4 version of Final Fantasy 7 remake um like i still think they're gonna run into that situation where there's just the the current gen games they can't run and i i bet they keep that cloud solution just so they can technically be in the conversation, even if it is not the best way for a lot yeah. of people to jump in and play. Um, Mario Kart 9 launch would be yeah. killer, but that makes so much sense and they'd make so much money that, again, with Nintendo, nah, 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 nah. There's, there's going to be some twist. There's going to be something Yeah, I feel like in. they're not done milking us with Mario Kart 8. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're done because they're still releasing all those new tracks and yeah. I think they've just like changed the 8 to infinity and we're doomed. If they just re-release Mario Kart 8 <laughs> Deluxe now. Outside? That's so smart actually. I would I would follow them into the sun for that. I don't mind. <laughs> but if it's just like now you pay 60 bucks for the 4K version of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe they would make a gazillion dollars again. It'd be they don't horrifying. even have to say 4K version. It could be the same Switch version and they would still make a gazillion dollars. Even if it's backwards compatible, it's still, just with the new packaging, people would be yeah, like, oh, this is a thing I to buy. So. That's horrifying. Um, I also, again, this is one of those things that like, it makes so much sense, but it's probably not going to happen for years and years if it even happens. But like Breath of the Wild remaster, that thing's run, running at 60 frames even at launch, like that would be incredible. And the only thing that makes me pause on it is you know the fact that they announced recently, or is translated from a from Mitsu interview that Breath or that Tears of the Kingdom won't have DLC. So it's like oh, maybe that team no, then immediately that. jumped over to Breath of the Wild for the remaster or something. They could get out in time for the launch for the next thing. But it, that's that's they haven't even absurd. given us Wind Waker on right. Switch. So let's slow our rolls here. It's sitting in the archive somewhere. Also, with the with the backwards compatibility, would it be then you could put your games into that new Switch even though the cart is different? Yeah, I don't know. Style? Great questions. We'll find out next year, everybody. Switch to. Um, Do you think it's next year for real? That That's what the rumors are pointing towards. Do yeah. you think yeah, it's next year? I think so. Yeah. I do. I do believe that. I believe that in my heart of hearts. I've decided never to believe in anything related to the Switch 2 again. So I, yeah. I refuse to. Tell I think that's, I, I would say I'm going to say no every year, even when the year comes out. Yeah, because I think that's a smart I'm so take. exhausted. Yep. By absolutely. like two seconds. Until it's physically it. in my hands. Yeah. 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 Because like I went down that road and I'm like, I'm never following down this clown college road again. Yep. Like I can't. I can't. I can't do it. No shade to clown college. Like if you want to college, <laughs> like go and with go ahead. With all respect to clowns that they've earned. Yeah. With all respect to clowns. Like. Right. I'm tired and I'm done. Yep. Uh, hey, you know what I'm not done with are these hot throwback RPGs. Sea of Stars, the game that uh, Kyle reviewed last week on the podcast. Uh, Janet, have you started this thing by chance? 
No, not yet. That's I got fine. it queued up, ready to go. I just haven't had time. Yep, it's it's tight all over the place. Um, I I am so amazed by their marketing and rollout for this of like you know throwback JRPG. But I feel like people have been talking about Sea of Stars for years. And then also, you know, the fact that there's a demo on every platform, the fact that it's on Game Pass and PS Plus Extra, I didn't even think you could do that. I don't know how they pulled it off. And then you kind of had to, like, pick a lane for which bundle to be in. Like, they're, they're doing as good of a job as you can possibly do for getting a throwback JRPG out there. Um, and he, despite Kyle raving about it on last week's podcast, I still jumped into it and was super impressed. Like, it, it you can feel the budget flowing through this, which is a weird thing to say about a you know, pixel art throwback RPG, but it's like, there is just so much work and detail and animation packed in this thing. And it immediately feels cozy and delightful. Uh, I am really enjoying my time with it, but it, Kelsey, what do you think? Have you uh, sunk much time to see a stars? Yeah, not a ton yet. I'm probably like three hours in, um, which I was very excited to hear Kyle say last week that it is not a like crazy long right, game. Right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the combat system. I'm enjoying just like it, it picks up very quick. I, I've I've played so many JRPGs at this point in my life and I do like them, but I get very tired of the intros to games being kind of like, you're in a mystical world, and in this world we call you Solstice Warriors. Totally. And in the last game you played, you're called this. Like it's all you know, you get some kind of samey stuff. Um and so just exposition is usually my least favorite part. Um they get in like pretty quick with getting you uh, interested. I don't want to do any spoilers, even though this sure. is very early. But there is a you know like a flashback sequence that you're basically just like, oh, okay, all right, I'm in, I'm invested um, yep. very quickly. So um, I am, yeah, I'm impressed with um, I'm impressed with the combat. I'm very impressed with how thoughtful the you're not exploring very large areas. It is very kind of like, you know, 16-bit RPG Dungeons, kind of thing. Yeah. Where, like, you're not going to be in this just giant open world thing. You're, um, But they've been very thoughtful with the way they've crafted those. Like, anytime um, there's a, a resting spot, like a little campfire thing, you will be able to put down rope ladders basically after any somewhat major encounter that will help you get back there quicker to rest if that you know kind of kicked your butt so like i've just been noticing a lot of very like thoughtful touches like that where it's like um okay i don't have to like backtrack through this entire area if i'm you know kind of getting beat up here like they've they've given me some uh some help and some extra stuff and and i've not so far, I think the like the difficulty is exactly right. It's yep, like totally you are probably going to win every fight as long as you are paying attention and and like you know keeping your eye on the ball and like really making use of that um, uh, like timing your combat and your blocks and everything yeah. correctly. And you probably won't have to grind, but every encounter is going to be at least a little bit of a challenge. Like you can't just sleepwalk through it. Yeah, I I had a weird feeling uh, starting this game, and even as a Final Fantasy sixteen defender, which I feel like I need to come out uh, as a defender in the in this world, in this day and age. Sarah, oh I see that God. smile. It's so hard to be you, isn't it, Ben? 
<laughs> no, I, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, we don't need to fully get derailed into a 16 conversation. But The JRPG boys are skittering to your feet like rats <laughs> to worship you. <laughs> to be fair, we just uh, we posted on our YouTube channel a Big Mac spoilers discussion about Final Fantasy 16. Uh, it's also in the bonus podcast feed if you're a Patreon supporter. So if you want the full breakdown, two hours of talking about what I like about that game, um, you can check that out. We'd appreciate it. But to Only be fair, two hours? to be fair, though, Sarah, here's <laughs> I appreciate the tone. Let me deflate my own thing. I I like Final Fantasy 16. I am not as in love with it as everybody else I recorded that spoiler cast with. Um, and clearly a lot of the Internet is. But what I was saying is CS Stars, it feels like. It's given me all the pieces that uh, I felt was missing in Final Fantasy 16. It's like I enjoyed going through Final Fantasy 16, but you know, I, I wrapped it up and then I was like, you know, I think at the core of it, what I want from a Final Fantasy or an RPG in general is like, I just want to go on like a fun little adventure. And I feel like there's a lot of things you can say about Final Fantasy 16. It's not exactly like a fun adventure with fun your friends. Adventure. I, it, I, it didn't feel that way to me. And even just like you talk about the environments, Kelsey, just like exploring a pretty simple little dungeon area in an RPG. It's like, oh, this just feels so good. And it's exactly what I was craving, starving from after finishing 16, which is just streamlined within an inch of its life to try and diminish all RPG systems and stuff like that. But there's just something about Can I interest stars. you in Octopath Traveler 2? Here's... Yes, you may. Kelsey, I have started that twice this year on Switch and Steam Deck. And I'm like, I, I can't let Kelsey down. I'm going to play Octopath Traveler 2. And I can't do it. And I think I I am... I always say I'm more on the Paper Mario end of the RPG spectrum. I want just kind of like lovely Fair. personality, simplicity. And there's a lot of beautiful things you can say about Octopath Traveler 1 and 2. But like the characters and story is not grabbing me in a way that Sea of Stars does. There's just something more... Engaging and personable, I guess, about the characters in Sea of Stars so far. And maybe Octopath gets there. I know it's a weird structure. It's a tough structure to like relate to the characters with. Um, but yeah, I mean, how is Octopath going for you, Kelsey? I know you're diving into that one still. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd like. To, I, I'm still chipping away at it, and it's gonna be a while. <laughs> I think I'm like 40 hours in at this point. Yeah. So I would love to come back and talk about it when I'm like either at the end or have finished it but um still yeah still really good still super good now that i've have gathered all of my people and i'm at least a couple chapters into everybody's story very very good but uh i fully admit that that is an enormous ask and pain in the butt uh much like xenoblade which is like one of my favorite series of all time so i i get it (laughs) but do you think that the characters in octopath are more engaging than the first one that they are that you know that that then should the first grab one, me for sure okay yeah i like the characters in two a lot better than i did the ones in one okay but uh, on the big range of rpg spectrums <laughs> let me continue to maybe hesitantly put an octopath traveler too is it fair to say that like the characters and story uh, one of the lower notches in a great game overall that's my read on it at least from the starting area and from other people um, talking about it a bit that's how it starts i don't yeah. but the the stories are definitely they're strong now. They are all okay. very strong now. But I, yeah, I don't think it's like, I don't think that's like a good thing to say about a video game. Be like, oh, if you just, you know, if you just put your 28 hours in, then sure. you'll start loving it. It really comes together. It's like, I get it. You don't, you don't have to do that. That's fine. Right, right. Yeah, Play something else. Yeah. But just, there's something about CS stars and it's even just like the level up system, which I saw so many backstage pass was talking about. I'm just like, it, it does totally feel like a Paper Mario or a Mario RPG, where it's like, you know... Sarah, just, why are you writing in the backstage pass? 
Because I don't want to interrupt the conversation. That's the You're point. on the show. Jump you in. Can just <laughs> Hang on. Let me now read um, what Sarah has written in Backstage Easter Pass. called you out. My gosh. Sarah well, Pods decided, like, What's to, going on here? decided to write, can I interest Ben in Baldur's Gate 3? <laughs> it sounds like you're looking for like a nice little adventure with yeah. your gang of friends. That's but not a little adventure. Attack and dethrone God. You yeah. know? I have to play that also. And I'm Sea of Stars is like I feel pretty good about like, oh yeah, like it's it's familiar to me. Baldur's Gate 3 isn't as much. And yep. I and I'm afraid like it sounds like such a me game in terms of like story and the fun and like as someone that doesn't do D D but did start it does want to get into it and I started like I've mentioned with Gloom. Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven, something yep. of the something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, real quick too. I'm Lee Fan says that I write in shallow time, and I do, but I write to <laughs> y'all. I'm not writing two people on the show. I'm not like Dear Kelsey ben. made a great point. I just write it in there. Like, um, yeah. So it's on such a pedestal for me, and I'm afraid. I'm like, what if it doesn't hit? And then I like, I like it in my mind. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, yeah. but I have to sit down with it. But I, also, I'm, I'm, I need to start playing these big games and like let's just start the game one day instead of being like no i have to have 30 the next 30 hours have to be empty so that i can really like get my four out you know so well, yeah i i i'm looking forward to you checking out more Baldur's gate i mean especially when it's coming to ps5 I'm, I'm going back to it at some point sarah i promise okay. here's the difference i hear you saying this is an rpg you should play it it's obviously I the best i didn't say it this right is just you typed it the community said press. it in the chat which right. happens to include sarah right um, but the difference, Sarah, is, yeah, I'm not nostalgic for CRPGs. And even though Baldur's Gate is a really great version of that and it changes the camera perspective, all that stuff, I still, I don't get cozy nostalgia feelings, which as much as I'm impressed by CS stars, I got it. And 50% of it is because I really like 16-bit RPGs and just, it feels like home to me. Whereas I go into Baldur's Gate and I feel like a moron who can't get off the ship. Um, and so I... I like feeling smart when I play games. And I, I fully admit, I'm just not smart enough for Baldur's Gate yet. But once I stream it some more and have chat help me, uh, maybe I can get over that hurdle. Um, but Sarah, you digging to see a stars here? Uh, I think, and I'm not nostalgic right. for old there we go. RPGs. So this totally didn't hit me, I think, the same way that it hit other people. Um, the art, though, is spectacular. Like, yeah. the pixel art, gorgeous. Like, you can tell that's where, like, most of the money went. Into that pixel art, the music, they had like yeah. an animated cinematic in the beginning that I hope. Okay, I get to see I'm more so of. confused by that cinematic yeah. though. That cinematic was literally four seconds. I and know. I was like, yeah. What is the point? I, Why it, did we do this? It's a weird thing. Money. To be fair, I did ran like. Out of money. I did like back in the day when there, you're playing some PS1 RPG and there was like a beautifully animated cutscene that was like four seconds. There's something. <laughs> I know this is a weird bit of nostalgia, but there's some nostalgia about that. I was just like, what? You animated that? That's such a weird thing, you know? So I it's imagine. It's an animation more... of two people walking. Like the that's nostalgia it. of it's being four confused. seconds of two people <laughs> yes. walking. You're like, remember like, when you look at something and you're like, why would they do this? I, I miss am, that feeling. I would imagine, Kelsey, that, you know, there's a reason. I'd imagine those two characters who are very mysterious at this point are like going to be a big deal later on so maybe they wanted an extra splash of like remember these freaks you know something like that maybe but it, it, i assume there's going to be more rolling through i assume but i'm with you it stood out uh so sarah impressive but not exactly a sweet spot for you that's the takeaway yeah i had a big issue with the writing oh it really like mm. the writing was not great like i love rpgs i love little adventures but like i feel like my standards for writing with recent games is just going up and up and up. Mm. You know, like what I expect in like characterization and like you can do a lot with a little and like I grew up in localization. So I'm used to seeing like what people can do with scripts. Sure. And I was just like, 
I don't know. I was I was actually like it kind of took me out of the moment. I was so kind of like jarred by like the writing of the characters and like you couldn't really tell one character from another when they huh. were speaking. Okay. They all sounded I, the exact I same. Think that is very fair. I think that the two like main characters are not very different at all in so their personality far. or anything. Right. One's like, I like could... to hit hard, and the other one's like, I like to hit fast. <laughs> you could You're literally like, Wow, I love that personality. How can we get you in a, in a booth to do VO for the next any project? <laughs> because I love that. But I mean, the fact yeah, that you, you get to you choose You could literally between swap them. their entire dialogue and no one would notice. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I guess I'm not as harsh on it as you are, but I do think the writing is just like, fine sure it's not it's not jarring for me it's just like uh, sure whatever and i i the studio is um uh french canadian so i don't know if any of that like plays into it at all it might not i think um jason schreier pointed out there's like a lot of comma splices that i now can't unsee oh no uh, <laughs> oh no it's it's not like for me that's fine like i'm not gonna I'm not going to be like, wow, can't enjoy this game because of the comma splices. But I do think that there's probably something there in it not being like a, um, like fully, I mean, you know, French Canadian, like they, they speak English too, obviously, but it's a little <laughs> bit more of a second language situation yeah. that maybe could have used a little bit more editing. Yeah, but like in the first hour, they keep referring to like, their, this is like their training montage and they're like, and we're going to do a bunch of sewing and all we're going to do is sew. And then it cuts to an animation of them literally weaving. I think it's like a joke, though, Weaving. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm it's like, weaving to... and sewing are not the same thing. <gasps> Interesting. They're like, oh, we're going to sew. Gonna... And then they literally, they're weaving. Like, they have, like, the shuttlecock, and they're putting it through an actual loom. And I'm like, I don't know. This is, like, the first hour of your game. Maybe let, let's iron this out a little bit. <laughs> Hang on. Shuttlecock is involved in weaving? I thought that was just badminton. Weaving. No. It's, like, the little, like, thing that goes back and forth. Is it not? I don't know. Is it but anyways, it was weaving okay. and not sewing. Okay. All right. All right. Fair. 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 See you stars, everybody. Right, though, weaving, not sewing. Mm -hmm. uh, available. Weaving, uh, like a uh, weaving magic sounds so much better than sewing magic. Sewing now magic. that you're saying this, I'm like, I don't oh know. My God. I yeah, was like, like I was reading the script and I was like, this could have sounded better. Why did this doesn't make? Um, it. I had to reread a few things, <laughs> and I was like, what are you trying to say here? Like, I thought that I was like reading a manga translated by AI. Like that's okay. How I was. All like, right. Get that's a really, that's a really vivid description, though. So, like, shots of the word picture because, like, I again, I haven't played this yet. <laughs> no way, it's and that I, far. And that was you kind of ate with it's that. Not that pretty bad. Re no. Real quick pretty before bad. before y'all move on, um, Chan in the backstage pass said, "Did they mention what was weird about the level up system, or did that get derailed?" You guys oh. mentioned that oh. you liked it, right? Or I did. Like, I did. Or, I, what I know I like about it is like you know, get a level up and choose. All right, do you want uh, HP up, magic defense up? Like, it's just choosing okay. different categories in a very Paper Mario way. So I love that. Yeah, that, okay, was, cool. that was the I point I was getting to, to at some sure point. Make sure that got Thanks, Janet. That's did. nice. Um, hang on, let me just respond to people in Backstage Pass. Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> Overrated. I can't believe. Does anyone else hate Ben? Who's writing this? How do we Ben? You're going to write from your burner, and it's going to be like, this is definitely Ben Hansen. You know, I got accused of being your burner a lot of times when I was modding. Oh, really? They're like, is this Ben? I was like, this is this is Janet. And they're like, how do we have a way of knowing that, though? This could easily be Ben posing as Janet. So it's people did. It's a mess. It's confusing. People wow. would see me, and they assumed I was you. And I'm like, I promise I'm not Ben. Like, hello. I'm here, <laughs> yeah, to, I'm here to mod. It was confusing. Even, like, social media, when you're handling it, and then... 
you know, I feel like that's always a weird thing is every once in a while, like if I have like a quirky tweet from the New Mexico, people be like, is this Janet? It's like, no, it's, I don't, it's weird when you know like, like the voice behind. <laughs> it's like, like, I can voice. be quirky too, guys. I can make people, jokes. People are waiting for your swear though on the account because I had my oh, swear. Right, so if you right. want to, you know, inject your own flavor there. All right. Well, feel free. follow MinMax show on Twitter and learn a new swear word, everybody. Uh, the new swear word is thank you for supporting us on Patreon. All one word. Um, let's see. You two were at PAX, uh, Janet and Kelsey. Um, so as I understand it, uh, we're going to have uh, the next episode of Party Chat, which is our bonus podcast. going to be like a full, ooh, Janet's showing off some hot merch. Uh, yeah, going to be a full. And you can't get the mug also if you, if you, uh, we're going to raffle it off for Extra Life. Heck yeah. Yeah. We're going to do Spoilers it. Spoilers for the chat. We'll get more into what we have for Extra Life in that party chat. That yeah. We got a lot of now. Nintendo Live merch because that was the, the big thing. Um, and also we're going to have a travelogue going up somewhat soon, uh, showing off travelogue entire trip and all that fun stuff. Anyways, but the next episode of Party Chat, which is our bonus podcast, is going to be kind of unpacking the entire trip and all that fun stuff. But Kelsey, I know you're working the Pink Gorilla booth. Did you get a chance to, to play anything super cool out there? Nope. Great, I Janet great. saw me for just about a hundred percent of my breaks. I <laughs> I normally take about twenty minutes to eat something and go to the bathroom, and that's my pack. So I did get a chance to. to be clear, like, I was not lurking in the bathroom while Kelsey was using no the restroom. There's there's no yes, judgment. Yes, that I saw her no, at. I took Janet every time I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, um, I, I did at least get to walk around both halls, but I, I did not play anything other than Mario yeah. Wonder. <laughs> can I ask, and you can say, shut up, I don't want to talk about this, but like setting up a whole stand at PAX for your store, financially super worth it, barely worth it, worth it if you count the exposure, is it like a field um, day? Where, where are you at with Somewhere that? in between worth it and super worth it. Okay. Sweet. It's very, very solid. I mean, like, PAX booths are expensive. I can, we can peek behind the curtain a little bit. They are, um, we have the, we do a 10 by 30, and that's, like, the largest size before it starts getting into, like, you know, you're clearly Nintendo and you can afford whatever we ask yeah. money. Um, so, and, and then also, uh, we are allowed to unload and set up our own stuff most people are not allowed to do that like past a certain booth size you have to pay the convention staff um like union workers to do that Mm. and it is very very expensive so if we had to play by like the same rules as the large booths there would be no way but at the size that we do yes definitely worth it okay um janet number one game other than mario wonder maybe that you played at PAX, what stands out if you had to boil it down? And we'll unpack oh, everything I else in Party something. Chat. All right, what do you got? Um, uh, the number. So I, I also didn't play very much. Like people ask me a lot about, like, what have you been playing? What's got? What's the best? What's the worst? I was like, y'all, I played like six games because again, I, I was focused on vlogging Nintendo Live, so I spent yeah. a lot of my time there. Okay. Um, so I really didn't play nearly as much. Normally, I'm playing at least like one to maybe two dozen like demos like i i did a couple but um i think my favorite thing and if i think of something else i'll obviously mention in the party chat was um let me make sure i get this title right i believe it's called if you could google it for me bet i'd appreciate yeah. it i believe it's called pepper grinder by devolver digital Ooh, okay. um, oh yeah i remember that thing I I love it. I love it. I, I got the foam finger for it, but I forgot it at the ramen shop that i went to later so um oh, no. but this is um it it it's funny because it's like there's little trends that pop up in games, like, and sometimes, usually coincidentally, like, sometimes it is, like, there's a lot of Vampire Survivor type games coming out now, and I think that is very much, like, we feel like it's cool, let's lean into it. Um, but drills are kind of making a splash, because Pepper Grinder Great has year. a drill. 
Um, Mino the Hollower also involves the kind of burrowing, and Mario mm. Wonder has the drill yeah. burrow system as well. Yeah. So it's time to take to the the walls. <laughs> take to <laughs> the walls, America. Take to the walls and take to the ground in video games. Um, yeah, this anyway, game, but it looks kind of yeah. like um, Drill Dozer, like Game Freak's old game. Remember, it was on Kyle's yeah. radar because of that. Because you're just like digging through it, it looks awesome. It's a it, yeah, it's pretty much a. I'm not sure how they couch it, but it is pretty much a like adventure kind of platformery game in the sense that you are like maneuvering and you have you have the drill you're burrowing down you kind of are collecting these gems and you sort of use the drill to help um propel you into different areas at times and you know there's enemies and things as well and i just feel like the feeling the vibe the um sort of character design of of the person you have is really fun like i saw it and i was like immediately yes like i have not heard of this game yet holy cow and it's now like very much on my radar i do believe that's going to be a 2024 title so. okay Sweet. Yeah. Pepper Grinder is the name of that thing. That's cool. Yeah, a lot more packs unpacking uh, in the party chat than the Nintendo Live vlog. Real quick, Nintendo Live, thumbs up. More impressive, less impressive than you thought? I said this in the vlog. I'm like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm glad it was free. Like, it's, it's okay. a, it was a cool, very cool experience. Lots of awesome photo ops. It looked really awesome in there. There just wasn't enough, like, activities for it to feel like an experience you'd, like, pay for. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, my take is pretty much, I mean, it's the same as Kelsey's, but like, I just have to add like my own like flavor to it. I think it is very cute for like families, particularly because I've, you know, there weren't that, that, that many kids, but there definitely were some kids there with their parents. And I think that's cute and cool, right? They can wait in line and like get a picture with like, you know, Kirby or something. Granted, those lines can get a little long in the tooth. Um, and also just to put it out there, like I like taking pictures too. It's not like I'm above taking photos. Like we, ha me and Kelsey had a lot of fun getting the photo ops and getting to do fun. the animal crossing photos. And, you know, we took, put this all up on our, on our Instagram, but if you are like an adult without kids attending, it is very much Instagram with an orchestra, um, with the orchestra <laughs> is dope. And also Instagram with an orchestra. That's like, that sounds awesome. But, um, and then wonder was there as well. So yeah. I feel like if there's a big game there that you really want to play. Like in this case, Wonder, like that can be cool. Um, I will say too, because me and Kelsey like had the press content creator treatment and got walked in. Sure. That's very chill. Everybody else has to wait in like a really long queue, which like a convention is about waiting in lines for sure. And obviously like we have the privileged experience of not having like the normal wait other people have to do. Sure. Um, but yeah, like it's cute. You know, it's very much them promoting Hey, here's a reminder that we have Splatoon and we have like, you know, a Lego collab and like it, it's a it's a cute event, but it is very much like a fan family event. And by fan, I mean like also two in the more not in the more casual sense, but like there's not a lot of game, hands on new games. Yeah, sure. So like obviously I'm a big Nintendo fan, but I can play Splatoon, Tears of the Kingdom at home. So it's like, OK, like there's really just wonder there in terms of being playable. But right, it right. looked yeah, like cute. I was looking. I was looking through your photos, and it looked like a lot of their decor was like decor they had used at past like E3 and that yeah. too. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. That I literally just sort of raided the Nintendo storehouse for like yes. decorations I've already seen, mm -hmm. and then yes. like it kind of gives like the common man like what would a Nintendo E3 booth be like? Mm. You know, like it, I mean, the it literally man had a ton of their E3 stuff. It had all their E3 mm -hmm. Smash stuff. Yeah. It had like it was. There was definitely some new stuff too, but there, yeah, it was. Um, I was like, oh, I've seen that. I've yeah, seen yeah. That. It's a lot of like, <laughs> I can finally take that picture that I've seen someone took in 2018. Um, <laughs> but like, I was still hyped to take it. Like, like um, being with like the stupid Tom Nook and Isabel. I'm like, honestly, I'm kind of like 
taken aback by their presence, even though they are just pe- <laughs> people inside costumes. They're celebrities. Like, yeah, no, I, that's what I joked with the, um, the Nintendo person that gave us the tour. I said, I always get so nervous around celebrities. And I'm like, you can hold their hand. I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. I spent 100 hours in your game. Hello. Oh boy. Uh, um, yeah, so, but yeah, it's it's a photo op thing. It's sure. a cutesy kids thing. Like, that's you cool. know. Yeah, we'll have a whole, whole, whole tribe log showing off all that fun stuff. Uh, up on our YouTube channel soon and then party chat next week for more pack stuff. Um, all right, Kelsey, let's get to the freaking meat and potatoes of this episode, please. Uh, the making of Karateka, of course. Don't pronounce it any other way. Um, <laughs> a, a game that I remember learning about this game when like the 2012 remake came out and everyone's like, oh, you don't know Karateka? It's, it's super important. It's an old Apple II game. I was like, what? I mean, Apple II is my jam. That's what I grew up on. And now after watching this, I feel like I missed out on so much. If I would have had this for my Apple II, it would have been my favorite game growing up because it just seems light years beyond anything I was playing back in the day. But before we dive into the weeds here, um, let's get the, the basics. So uh, Digital Eclipse made this. They also made uh, you know uh, Atari 50 last year. And this is the first, or it's a member of what they're calling the Gold Master series, where it's kind of an interactive documentary. And I think it's a really cool idea. Instead of doing a whole company over 50 years, like we're just going to focus on one game. And if you don't know Karateka, Karateka, um, it's Jordan Mechner who made it for the Apple II when he was in college. But why it's relevant to today's industry is a bunch of reasons. But one of them is that he then used this experience to move on and make Prince of Persia. Uh, then he was involved, of course, with Prince of Persia, Persia Sands of Time. Uh, and then the Prince of Persia series went on to evolve into Assassin's Creed. So, like, there is a fun line you can draw from this early 1984 Apple II game to the entire Assassin's Creed franchise, even though this isn't a Ubisoft joint, but that talent, the development pipeline led to that. But, uh, Kelsey, what was your experience with the uh, making of Karateka here? Yeah, th- so I... Oh, my God, I'm having... This is just such a beautiful version of the thing that I have kept hearing the folks at Digital Eclipse explain, you know, with every one of their releases um, that like they really want this sort of interactive documentary experience. And and they've made some absolutely incredible titles. And, you know, I've 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 loved all of them. And I really feel like this is the most pure and perfect form of it and i know a huge part of this just for context um jordan mechner donated first of all like total um i don't want to say pack rat but like he's just very meticulous man who took he journaled every single day of his life starting at like age 18 or something like that um he kept all of his notes his prototypes all this stuff and he donated all of it to the strong museum of play so this is like by far just the the biggest treasure trove like wealth of knowledge you can have on one person's career and the development of a game that was made you know essentially by one person although he had some help from his family um and because of that it's just this it's this incredibly rich um understanding of like exactly how this evolved exactly who this person was Um, and you have, I mean, you have lots of interviews and stuff in there and like video content, but the coolest thing is that like, you're kind of, you're kind of jumping in and playing at all. Like you'll learn a couple things and then it'll give you something to jump in and play Mm -hmm. and you don't have to play it. Like I'm not very good at his, uh, his game before Karateka death bounce, (laughs) but they have like four different versions. (laughs) I did kind of like it though. 
yeah, by like the the second or third version of it, I was just pressing the watch button and just watching the <laughs> gameplay. Right. Um, and then they made a freaking like I, I haven't asked. I assume this was Mike Micah at Digital Eclipse that made the uh, uh like new version of Death Bounce that's like actually very good and very fun. This it is, just, I mean, it's same with Atari Fifty. The part that kills me is yeah, when Digital Eclipse remasters basically remakes these games that were like prototypes that never saw the light of day like that level of it's like if somebody went into like yeah you're i don't know what the equivalent is it took your poetry that you wrote just in your own little journal in high school and then made a professional film based on that it's just like yes, the level that's of, yeah. horrifying <laughs> i guess kind of flattering but like they make the it content good. better they make <laughs> okay. it good so yeah it's is, just i mean it's this so is sweet. you know jordan mechner as a teenager programming this this game that he wants to get published by Broderbund and he keeps sending different iterations of it. And he's like, okay, I've listened to your feedback. Here's this. Every single version of this freaking is, is playable. Like you get like the first version he sent mm-hmm. and then you get like, okay, I've implemented some of the feedback and then you get to play that. And like, it's- and you know, bugs and glitches and all of that galore, although he's a very good programmer. So it says there's, you know, this is a prototype. There's no glitches in these games. They're, they're beautiful. <laughs> it's not going to break. Um, but yeah, I mean, the same point. I mean, what's cool too is just you experience things that you never get to experience anywhere else in the game industry of like, okay, he submitted this game, Asteroid Blaster, very clearly a ripoff of Asteroid, right? And so then you get to see and play all the different variations and evolutions of this as he's getting feedback from a company being like, we would publish this, but we're going to get sued by Atari. So dial down the asteroid element a little bit. And like getting to play multiple drafts of a game as the developer is trying to make it less and less like the game that it's clearly ripping off till eventually it's just a game called Star Blaster. Like where else do you get to experience that? It's awesome, weird historical stuff. Yeah. And, and the way it's laid out, I think, is just like the perfect amount of context in between giving you a thing to do. So, you know, he did journal every single day of his life. They they don't put in very many of his journal entries. They just put in the like the ones that are going to be, you know, here's something here. Here's an important thing, you know, on this date or like this is how he was feeling like, oh, I just had this really good idea for, um, you know, making this better. And then you get to play, you know, the next thing over is like you playing what he implemented. Yeah. Or maybe there's like a photo of um, or a scan of like. Uh, his design document where he's like, he's like, I had this great idea. Then there's the document of him like writing out that great idea and drawing it out. And then you get to play it. It is, uh, I know we're totally dorking out right now, but like this is just, I've known they've been working on this on and on and off for a while. And I hope they get to do a ton more of these. And I hope they get to do them in a way where um, I don't exactly know the like licensing rights for like I don't know if Jordan Mechner himself owns all the IP or just or Doug Carlston does and he's still alive yeah. and he's just cool um, or uh, or what I mean this is going to be a difficult thing to convince like Konami to do you know like let them go that deep behind the scenes but I just I really I can't wait to see more of this kind of stuff because it is. It's so incredible. And if you have even like a passing interest in in game history or game development, super, super, super worth checking yep. out. Making of Karate is the name of it. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Konami thing. I mean, we had um, Chris Kohler on the podcast last year talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kalabunga collection, which felt kind of like a prototype in a way yes. version yeah, of every- this idea, you know? Every Digital Eclipse product up till this point, um, Atari 50th was pretty close to this too, but yeah, yeah. like everything up to this point has 
felt like they're just like chipping away at like what this could truly be. Yep. And it finally is the thing it can truly be. They need like a making of the digital Eclipse stuff. Well, I mean, they kind of <laughs> yeah. have it. What's wild is because they have like a full remake of uh, Karataka in here. Sorry, Karataka. Please forgive me. Um, and then they have a commentary track in that. So you get to hear Mike Micah talking about the process of why this game is so difficult to remake and stuff as you're playing it. They have a friend of the show, Kirk Hamilton from Triple Click. They have like a whole podcast with him breaking down the music of it. And that was the part that just slayed me is Sarah, this guy, Jordan Mechner, who made uh, this old game. Um, he worked on it with his dad. So he's like a college kid who is just collaborating with his dad. And his dad's just this sweet old man in his 90s who's just like giving him good ideas. Like, you know, there's this old thing called rotoscoping. You could try doing that for smoother animations. Or like, hey, why don't you incorporate music into the game and make it a little more cinematic? And like, this is the era where those were like revolutionary video game ideas. And so they have, he's still alive. And so they have interviews with him and his dad. And it is the sweetest damn thing. Like what other video game do you get to like experience the relationship between this creator and his father within the game. It is very sweet. It would melt you, Sarah. You'd be a puddle on the floor if you saw I don't this know. man's death. My dad thinks I made Tears of the Kingdom. So, <laughs> jokes on you. Well, anybody can lie to their parents. I was like, literally playing Tears of the Kingdom in my living room, and I had just gotten like my new job, and my dad walks in, and he looks at Tears of the Kingdom, and he goes, is that your game, Sarah? And I was like, wow, Dad, I, like, really appreciate that, like, you think that I'm, like, some brilliant game designer. I really appreciate that you're trying to be interested in my job, but I abs- this is absolutely not my game. <laughs> uh, there was a, there's one little detail in here, and I guess uh, Jordan Mechter tweeted it out, um, but they have a fan letter in this collection and it's like two pages long just this guy gushing like you know i'm trying to be a programmer creator myself i love karateka what you did here is so impossible i'm curious how did you do this uh, scaling how'd you do this how'd you do this but oh my gosh i cannot praise you enough this is truly the best i hope you stay tuned for my next couple games because i think they're really going to be good and it's from john romero like before id he was like a 17 year old just fan and this game blew him away and the fact that jordan mechner saved that letter is also just mind-boggling I, I saw this letter like five years ago when I went to the Strong Museum of Play and was just looking through some of the Jordan Mechner collection. And that was one of the things that they wanted to point out. They're like, oh, so look what he has. Oh, look my what, God. Look at this. So it's wild. So, it's so good. I, I, If you're a game developer right now, the best thing you can be doing is just saving all of your stuff and maybe keeping a daily journal forever for the rest of your life. Please. Is that is that too much to ask? Nope. <laughs> And then reach out to Digital Eclipse, please. Uh, It's all we ask of you. But yeah, I mean, you talk about other publishers and how they're probably going to be pretty reluctant to this type of thing. You know, at the end of this, they do kind of tease like, and then he went on to make Prince of Persia, dot, dot, dot. I was like, God, it'd be cool if Ubisoft let them do a whole making of the first Prince of Persia if they already have all this material ready to go. But I don't know, this is maybe selfish too, but it's like, there's just so many big games out there that they could do this type of treatment with, even with relatively easy publisher agreements and stuff. Like, I'd want to see Oregon Trail done with this. I think people would be interested in like every version of the Oregon Trail, but diving in in that way. That'd be super cool. I think it's possible. Uh, But who knows? Um, Also, it it killed me. They had a whole, uh, I think it was a standalone video in this where they just talked about the ending of Karateka. And so, uh, Sarah, it's this, brutal game you're a karate guy going through fighting bad guys yada 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 and it's just like if you die you start all the way over the beginning just incredibly brutal is the idea if you beat the final boss 
So it's, I should have mentioned throughout the entire game, you have like your jogging pose and then kind of like your fight pose where you're kind of like slowly inching forward and backward. But if you f- beat the final boss and then naturally go to the next room where the princess is that you're trying to save, um, if you're in your fighting pose, which you should be because you just beat the final boss, the princess thinks that you're a bad guy guard and she kicks you in the neck and you die. And you have to start over from that. the beginning. More games should, that's how Mario Odyssey should end it. That's right. You need and... to be like in the calmest way possible. And uh, at the very beginning of the game, you start by like climbing up onto this cliff that you're, you know, you're just on the rest of the game. If you just like step backwards, you just fall and tumble to your death. (laughs) (laughs) Good game. It's just instant game over. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Yeah. Making of Cartech is the type of thing that, yeah, it, one of my favorite experiences of the year is truly going through this. I really, really loved it. And it's the type of thing that I just like on Steam or like, what's Yep. It's, it's everywhere. I believe it's 20 bucks, which, you know. Even though I absolutely loved it, I'm like, I feel like 15 would maybe move some more, but I don't know anything about this, so more it's power so, to them. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's, it's I imagine really everyone playing it on it Steam Deck, is... by the way, and it's, it's yep. flawless. Same, if, same, as, same. I, I imagine oh. everyone's kind of doing it for the culture at this point. You know, like, you, you're you interested. Like, is there, I don't know if there's a number that you and Kelsey wouldn't have bought it at kind of thing. Right, right, right. I, I get that, obviously, cheaper is always more accessible for people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, I saw Chris Collar tweet out, like, it's like Garrett Martin from, I think, Paste was like, Digital Club should do this for every game ever. Yep. And Chris was like, he quote tweeted and said, this would mean I have a job forever, so okay. So yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, they, you know, they get to keep doing what they're doing. Um, I haven't checked these out yet. I guess I will. Um, should. I probably should at some point. because You should. They do sound interesting. You should. I will say, though, and like, no shade Digital Clips. Like, it sounds like they're Here doing like go. some dope stuff. However... I am about to put every Digital Clips game on the 210s every freaking year, okay? Like, we gotta find a new spot for these. I'm sorry. Uh, sports <laughs> it's great. But it's a part of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, think, could, I, mean I think... We could move it over to that. We could... Well, here's the thing. And I'm not saying that to, like, be, like, I don't know, an ass about it. But it sounds like y'all will always, like, love these. And that's great yeah. because they sound awesome. Um, right. I wonder what's the best way to acknowledge that that isn't just taking a slot in the two tens you it's know a little bit I, of that. I, I don't know they're different but it feels a little bit like that jackbox problem where you know at game and we'd always fight for it to be on the top 50 games there and people are like we can't put jackbox on the list every year I'm like, it's some of the most fun experiences i will you can say have like i saw what they were working on for their next pack and i'm like why are they so good at making games like, it's, <laughs> it's it's wild Ooh, oh, a making of jackbox party pack Get i would say either clips. either this automatically i want this either automatically not in the two tens or automatically on the two tens you can pick which one you want, but I just don't want to have to do the song and dance of. We can't. Well, pre- technically, preservation's or- like better than you know. Like, let's just either auto put it on preserv- there. You, I am so like. <laughs> this is a amazing experience. Yeah. This is an incredible, incredible experience. It is not it has nothing to do with like. I like history. I like game preservation. And I mean, obviously, like that's why it is interesting to me is because I like history. But like. The actual experience that they have built around this is incredible. And there are plenty of like just basic compilations of old games that would never, ever, ever. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is more than a compilation, but I also think it's it sits. I think what what, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to just hit it up and then we'll talk. I guess we'll talk about it. Oh, we will. We will. I I think (laughs) I will fight you. If you want again, if you want to just if you want to just square up, but then I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my work. Then I'm gonna hit it up and then I'm gonna have to come back at that point. Give us your work first. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's what I'm saying. I'll check it out. Yep, yep, please. Uh, Hey, Sarah, do you know um, about the making of Kratika? I'm sorry. I mean, how this whole thing operates. 
uh, the Patreon. That's right, folks. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. They're words that can come out of our mouths, but they are only powerful if you type them in like a spell. Cast them into your nearest browser. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Just check out those tiers. Find the tier that's right for you. Help support independent games media. Uh, if you find the tier that's sustainable for you, that makes us sustainable and that makes us happy. So please help us out. We'd appreciate it. Unlock a bunch of benefits over there. Thank you to some of our biggest supporters. If you don't know who they are, I'm talking about HelloFresh, everybody. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why, of course, it's America's number one meal kit. Um, The other day, I heard a little ding-dong at the door and went to get it, and it was a big box of HelloFresh sitting on the doorstep, and I was like, oh, that's weird that they sent another one for doing the ads. I feel like they just sent one not too long ago. Nay, it was not them. It was my in-laws who were staying for (laughs) over a week, and they ordered HelloFresh of their own volition, not even knowing. They were supporter, and we had that in a big uh, group family meal, and they said, my God, HelloFresh is so good, and I, I kept my mouth shut for the entire week, but also I kept my mouth shut about that idea that, hey, Technically, we support them on the podcast. These people have their own volition. Got it. And it's damn good. HelloFresh, everybody. You can kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver anything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take the credit, they say. Also, when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. They want you to know. That's why HelloFresh menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. Easy cooking, everybody. HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50MinMax and use code 50MinMax. That's 50 the number for 50% off plus 15% off for the next two months. 50MinMax. HelloFresh.com slash 50MinMax, everybody. Please. It is America's number one meal kit. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. Also, shout out, of course, to our friends at iMateBit. They want you to know about... Uh, Primal, the vinyl soundtrack to Primal, the uh, animated show from Jenny Tartakovsky from Dexter's Laboratory fame and a thousand other shows, but I'm a Dexter's lab man myself. Uh, so check out that vinyl soundtrack and I a wonderful online store. It is quite cool. Everything in their store will impress you. I promise if you just go check out I bit and their online store. And the beautiful thing is if you use the promo code, I don't get this reference. Maybe you all are smarter. Um, Return of Chicken Boy. Promo code is return of chicken boy, no space. Is that a reference to September somehow or something? <laughs> Anyways, return of chicken boy, everybody, for 10% off of everything under $100 in iMateBit store. That's a MinMax exclusive bonus for you. So check that out. Help support them because they help support us in a huge way. And shout out to iMateBit for helping to support MinMax by shipping out a prize each and every week to a Patreon supporter over there on Patreon from the community. Uh, this week, whoever has the best question wins something near and dear to my heart. This is the double vinyl album to uh, Big Bang Music from the Universe of Genesis Noir. If you remember Genesis Noir from a couple years ago, a really awesome looking indie game. I think about it every three months and just think like, God, that is truly one of the best looking games I've ever seen in my life. And one of the best sounding because the soundtrack rules if you like jazz. So uh, whoever is the best uh, question of the week will win that prize for my 8-bit. Uh, also, there's when links I, um, below for all this fun stuff. Yes, Janet? When I googled Return of Chicken Boy, um, a picture for Flickr came up that said the Statue of Liberty for the city of Los Angeles has returned. And it's a giant chicken boy. So okay. I don't know. I haven't seen this. Like I'm in LA, but I have not seen every single thing that is in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how old this is. Maybe that's the reference. There but. it is. Return of Chick Boys, the code, everybody. 10% off. Um, all right. Deuterado writes in. They say, howdy crew. 
Are we currently um, living in the best era of RPGs ever? With games like Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 16, and Final Fantasy 16 all releasing this... Oh, I'm sorry. Final Fantasy 16, Baldur's Gate 3, Sea of Stars, and Starfield all releasing this year. There's something amazing for all types of RPG fans. Is this the golden era? Yeah, I, I thought this question was silly at first, and then I was like, wait a sec, no. I think it's right. I think so, actually. And I wouldn't have picked all of those examples um, just because they're not all necessarily the types of RPGs I'm playing, but yeah. um, I mean... I was just talking about Octopath Traveler 2 being incredible. Yep, yep. Um, the Xenoblade series wrapped up last year, and it was probably my favorite JRPG experience of all time. Like, Whoa, I mean, but the DLC was this year, right? Oh, the DLC was this year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you factor that and Octopath in here, I yeah. don't know if anything can beat 2023 for RPG releases. It's pretty bananas. And that DLC, that DLC is like, I'm going to be arguing for it in the two tens, the way Sarah was arguing for her DLC. So, oh, that uh, was it, DLC. Um, Echoes of the Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we all know. And then that... Ben will put it based on what is respect level for you. So you'll get third. <laughs> number three. You know baby. what? Number three. Xenoblade Chronicles three DLC. I'm just going to sit out of the two tens like, this year. Like it's not worth it. I feel like we opened up the can of unearthing like the two ten salt early. And I know, I'm, I'm scared I know. that I can't close it again, and yeah. I, I feel like I regret. Well, because it's like trying. Yeah, guys, to... it's September. We need to simmer down. Yeah, I mean, we can either sprinkle the salt on every meal throughout the year, or we can consume it like one giant deer lick with the two tens, and we're choosing yeah. to sprinkle it. You know? Like, I think the thing is, and like, you know, obviously it's all for fun, right? Like, it's just like a cool piece of content that we make. But for me, at least, it's having now done it, like, because this will be like my second, maybe. I think second time, third time. I don't know, but I feel like now we're kind of like we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And now we're like, um, I don't know. It lives with me now. It does live with me. Yeah. Um, Vincent L writes in: Has there ever been a party in a video game that actually looked fun? All of the nightclubs in Mass Effect look miserable. The midnight fireworks at Carnival of Time in Majora's Mask had more guards than attendees. The early game celebration in Baldur's Gate Three was a snooze fest. Is it possible to make a party look fun in a video game? There was a party in um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Okay. Where, like, you would bring the mo- like the mana back to the crystal, and then you would power up the crystal. And it was like the we're not going to die party. Mm. Because every season you had to go out, bring back mana, power up the crystal to keep the monsters away. Right. Mm. And, like, that party was lit like we had like <laughs> moogles were dancing people were playing everybody was like in a big circle like whenever that would come on i was playing in multiplayer with my friend we would literally just get up and dance because like the music was bopping i didn't have to it was a hard game and i like felt like i accomplished something we weren't gonna die anymore like right. honestly that's like the one video game party i'd want to go to can we go to that now can we theme a real world party in the midnight studio after the final fantasy crystal chronicles party yeah, but someone has to get really good at doing backflips. Uh, good news. Jeffum is amazing at it. He's quite a gymnast. <laughs> he probably could. You know, I would have believed you if you said you could do a backflip. Me? Yeah, you look like you could do a backflip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you look like you could do a backflip, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. You also look like you can do at least one magic trick. Is that true? I'm not going to comment on it. I might have. That would a, hurt my feelings. I have a magic <laughs> kit magic stored in a closet, but I don't need to ever whip it out. That's fine. That's fine. Um, no, I can't do anything physical. A backflip, no way. Like, I, I, grew, <laughs> and I grew up with a with a trampoline, too. And I would maybe do half a front flip uh, as the best I could do after 10 years of jumping every single day. Um, yeah, this may, question made me think of... I probably bring it up too much. I feel like Kyle and I, all we do 
an attempt to be funny and interesting is quote things that Leo Vader said before. But like Leo, when we're doing the deepest dive on Mass Effect, there's the big scene where you become a, a specter and you're the first human specter and it's a big deal. And they have like the whole auditorium. And when we're doing the deepest dive, Leo Vader said that the crowd that was celebrating you becoming a human specter looked like a quote Xbox 360 amount of people. I think about that all the time for like, hey, how many people can we get on the screen? Like four, four and maybe one sprite in the background. And so I think that's the problem with like video game parties is like animating a bunch of people in a way that looks good is so impossible. Uh, Maybe Hitman could do it. Do parties have to be ragers though? Like I think just like any celebration in Animal Crossing is very sweet and nice looking. Yeah, those are cute. You know, New Year's Day in your Animal Crossing town and everyone's just kind of wandering around, especially in the GameCube one where the, the fireworks are happening like as reflections on the water. So like the right. water's got the fireworks in it and stuff. Yeah. I think that's very cute and very chill. I I'd go to that party. Anything's a party if it's just like a social thing that you want to go to. Like even just in RPG when they're sitting around the campfire, like, is that a party? Oh, no, like, oh. I'm talking, like, New Year's celebration. Sure. Is that not a party? I guess it is. There's, like, fireworks and, like, balloons and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, that's And true. I will say, a lot of parties are just standing around. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, <laughs> like low-key. I was just thinking, he's like, oh, yeah, the Boulder Skate 3 party, everyone's just standing there. And it's like, yeah, most of the parties I've been to, like, I've been to some, like... Sure, we all have gone to a rager before, but, like, most of the parties are just everyone standing around with yeah. their drink, like, yeah. <laughs> So like I'm like that sounds like that that he's never been to a packs. party before. How's it going? How you doing? Housing prices, am I right? Boo. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Wait, your 30s, what? everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is what people talk That's about. That's what happens when you get into your 30s and then you go to parties. You yeah. talk about the economy. Yeah, welcome to hell. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Derek writes in, they say, Here are my questions. Do you like to dance? Do you dance? Are you a good dancer? And may I have this dance? Yes, you may, Derek. <laughs> That's adorable. Please, take us away. Yes, I like to dance. Um, what's the second one? Um, do you dance? <laughs> I do crucial. dance. I don't dance that as much as I would like to, I think, in a sense, because okay. I am crippled by existing. I'm not good at dancing. And really? I, what does it you mean cannot have this dance because I'm here. What does it mean to say, yes, I dance? Like, I... Like, like I'll do like stupid dances in my house, like just being an idiot. But to me, I'm not like, like counts. That's if you're a at a wedding, do you like get up and dip oh. the dance? Floor? Yeah. That's yeah. how I kind of oh, okay. thought. Or like at a party where people are dancing, because a lot of parties, like Sarah said, you're just standing, so you're not dancing. Right. But like, if there's a dance floor, am I am I am I going to see you on the dance floor without having to like, you know, be like, please, Kelsey, like we got to go floor. out there, you know? Like, are you like, oh, hey, let's you want to dance, and then we're like out there. Yeah. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah, I was just at a wedding this last weekend. Maybe this is in poor taste, but uh, there's a guy who I knew forever that was at the wedding and I noticed he wasn't dancing and maybe he had a couple beers in me, but I went over and picked him up and brought him to the dance floor and dropped him off on it. So I've, I've definitely evolved in a big way uh, as I've gotten older in being like, you know what? Yeah, I look like an idiot, but dancing is more fun than not dancing. And if you're at a wedding, just freaking dance, everybody. No one cares what you look like unless you're really drunk and making a scene, which don't do that. Be drunk and make a scene by picking people up and bringing them to the dance floor only. Did they did they dance after you did they that? They did. They did stayed they on the like, dance floor. I, it was a mission I'm gonna accomplished. Go, but did they, I'm like, gonna, dance or did they just kind of, like... They like, did like, fine. Like, did they, this they were slowly being held hostage on the dance count. floor. That totally counts. Like, I don't think yes. I can dance. I'm not doing, like, 
wild moves here, you know. When yeah, I that, they're not break dancing when I brought him out. They didn't get a circle but, um, going around him. Two things. One, um, just going to go on record. I tell this to a lot of people because I'm very small. Yeah. Do not pick me up. I do sure. not like being picked up. I, people pick you up when you're small all the time without consenting to being picked up. Right. Don't pick me up. Oh, signed. Only Isaiah can pick me up. That's it. Like I don't. Or you know, if you ask or something, or I don't know. You, don't don't go pick me up. Two, Kelsey, you never actually answered. So do you? Are you hitting the floor at the at like a wedding? Um. I, so I'm not super into dancing, but the last wedding I was at, there was like no one dancing, and mm-hmm. my partner and I were like, "Okay, we have to start dancing because yes. this is." I feel bad that no one's dancing, yeah. so I will do that. But I'm not like it's not like my preferred like way to have fun or anything. It's right, more just right. like a. I feel like this should be happening. We should be doing a little bit of this. I'll have fun little bit but i don't want to dance all night or anything like that yeah but i do play a lot of ddr oh right as of very recently and that is not dancing at all that is flailing your legs but it's you know how's that crusade going getting back into ddr i am slowly getting back into shape sweet i there was a, a song that i used to be super super good at that is extremely difficult uh, it's called Zephyr in uh, DDR Supernova for any of the the nerds here on the on the really high levels on like expert and challenge and stuff and I can I can beat it again. Whoa. I'm not like not like doing you know not like double Aing it or anything, but yeah. I'm, I can keep up now. So I'm getting there. That's sweet. Um, and then I collapse on the floor because it's <laughs> very fast and <laughs> very difficult. Song. I uh, I probably talked about this before, but my wife um, is a big dancer. And she was really into like swing dancing for a very long time. Oh, cute. Yeah. Which really was is delightful. But it stresses me out. And it still is a little bit because every time we're like dancing at a wedding or something, she is so used to having somebody else lead and her follow that like she will look at me in a way that makes me uncomfortable because she's like trying to analyze what I'm doing on the dance floor to see if she can like follow with it. And it's like trying to look into oh, just, no. you know, trying to find patterns in static on tv it's just pure chaos <laughs> just don't look oh, at no. me like there's the only thing uncomfortable about dancing is if someone's paying attention to you and you have a partner who's very focused on like that's her training is she's got to follow the person who's leading and it's it's scary have you um have y'all like done any class together like have you thought about you down to learn how to swing dance uh yeah i took i think it was in better quest we talked about it um a while ago um but yeah i took like a month of classes and or, Barboa, Baraboa, Barboa, whatever that variant is. It was hell on earth. Uh, Mike Lynch writes in. They say, um, hey, if a person didn't move their body for 60 years, would they wrinkle at all? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It depends losing. on the type of wrinkles. Like, I feel like you probably wouldn't get, like, smile lines on your face. But, like, your skin's still going to lose elasticity, right? Well, I don't... Am I crazy? I don't know. I don't think you're crazy, but it's an interesting hypothetical. Like, is every wrinkle just a result of skin stretching and then unstretching? No. <laughs> I didn't think so either, Sarah. Come on, we're not silly. I think a lot of them are. Because, like, your arms and like feet it would and and it's not, like, because you're moving that a lot, unlike your face. I thought it had like. to do with, like, collagen in your skin. Like, when you age, you have less yeah. and less of it. And that's, like, that's what makes your skin kind of, yeah. like, to your face. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did anybody play that uh, DMC game from 2013, the Ninja Theory one? There's the grossest ladies in that game. You got to check out this gross lady because she's all old and her face is all gross. But then what she does, she takes her skin and she's like, and she like basically puts her skin in a ponytail to make it tight. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, n- not that, Excuse but like me? people do that. Like the you tape. You can do that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can do that? You can do the DMC yeah, gross like, lady well, thing? People tape their back. faces. Yeah. They don't put mm-hmm. it in a ponytail. Yeah. Yes, they, exactly. That's why I, was, oh. I had to dial back immediately. I'm like, just so you know. <laughs> no, also, Kelsey, uh, Sarah, missed opportunity. We could have just really committed and Ben would have no way of oh, not knowing that. Oh, known. How would I have ever known? Oh, yeah. That's How actually, that's what Botox is, actually. Yeah. Is they just put your skin, skin in a ponytail. Skin ponytail? You mm-hmm. just yeah. always have to wear a hat over the skin ponytail right. in the back. Or just get, like, really big hair, you know, to cover right, it. right. Yeah. I was listening to this interview with Jane Fonda recently where it was really sad where she was talking about like how much she regretted all the work she did on her face and her body throughout the years. Like that's yeah. to be like in your 80s and be like, you know what? It turns out my natural body would have been beautiful. I really regret this. Oh, that's such a scary thought. Anyway, Sly Cut writes in. They say, hey, everybody, um, I have a very – don't you think that's scary, Sarah? Yeah, imagine being so scared to age that you would like physically alter your appearance and then it comes back to bite you. Yeah, imagine. Imagine being a woman. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sly Cut writes in with a very relatable question saying, Hello, everybody. I have a very important question. Um, 100 Ben Hansons versus a silverback gorilla. Who would win? It's a fight to the death of the gorilla or all of the Bens. The fight takes place as an open, it takes place in an open field. No weapons or armor allowed. I hate to say it. 100? Ben, 100. You're going you down 100 times. Really? This I kind is, of agree wait, with that. Okay, uh, ben just told us wait. he can't do anything physical no. and he can't <laughs> they do can, backflip. No. You, a hundred is an overwhelming amount of people. You could just start piling on the gorilla and suffocate. Do you think the Bens Agent would Smith? be able to communicate that kind of strategy with each other? <laughs> How dare you, Sarah? The pile okay, so on strategy? We would just I'll yell look. the phrase pile on strategy. What else is there go, to communicate? I will go fully into it for spoiler's sake. So like light spoiler tag for nope, like very light. That scene, <laughs> that would happen a hundred times over. <laughs> hmm, interesting. If you know, you know. Interesting. Um, if it would be could, horrific. I hate to say, you're gonna get get it. Abs- it's, I'm scared thinking about it. To be if honest. the gorilla was so smart that they just like stood in one spot and swung in a circle like a helicopter blade of gorilla arms, nobody's getting. And through the bends that. were not smart enough to stop coming at the gorilla while right, it's How right, would you right. kill the gorilla? Like, yeah, with your bare Suffocate. hands. That's my question. Jeez, uh, well, big ne- you need to. You need at least like three. You bends have a hundred of them. But, you but can every just stand second on him, going you can down, overwhelm though, the gorilla with Ben weight. Like I think some Bens will die in the process. The ones no. on the bottom, you know. But no. like, you... we didn't like them anyway. I think there would be a huge, a huge loss of Bens. Oh, I think all of them are going down. No, I, I like yes, you would sacrifice some Bens for sure. But I think that there would definitely be there'd be like ten survivors at the end. You'd win. Also, can you run this poll on Twitter? Also, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, I was just at a zoo and there was a gorilla. Big silverback, I assume. If it's a big gorilla, I'll just say it's a silverback. But he had his like he was like sitting with his back to the glass, and you could like sit down on the ledge of the window just to get that size comparison. It, it is. I know we all know that gorillas are huge, but it was recently humbling again. Uh, so I I think this gorilla's taking us down. I appreciate the faith you have in me, Kelsey, but I I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I with the hundred like, bends, though, you'd be getting in your own way. Like that's almost too many bends to like a great detrimental effect. Yep, is there a bends like you'd be bumping into each other? <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> if there's a leader that can strategize, and Ben, would you listen to yourself if no. you were part of the Ben army and there was a Ben in charge? Would you listen to that Ben? No, and they kind of ran through this problem in Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. They basically had this exact situation, and then there were like versions of Ant Man who's like, "Listen to me, hundreds of other Ant Men," and it's like, "No, there's no way," because you would feel just 
as been handsome as anybody else. So you wouldn't listen to some guy. Thing, do they all have your personality or are they all like a like muted version of you? Uh, are they all different? All same is, personality? Like, is there like a severanced version of Ben that's like a blank slate? There's like that multiverse Bens in yeah. there. If there's, there's like the, a the one who can you know, do you've a got backflip. Like Italian Ben, you've got like yeah, evil Ben, you have all yeah, the Ben who didn't let Xenoblade Chronicles 3 climb to number 3 at the top of the 210s <laughs> last year. Yeah, All sorts of variants, yeah. Uh, Witty Nickname here writes in, they say, Hello, Maxers. I've been waiting for Kelsey to be on the show to ask this. From a game preservation stance, is there any value whatsoever to something like The Last Hope, which is that atrocious Last of Us ripoff, which got a lot of attention for its shoddiness before being pulled from the Switch eShop earlier this summer? I know it's trash and doesn't add anything to the gaming world at large, but I also recognize I'm unaware how wide a net we're trying to cast with game preservation. It technically existed as a game, so it's not like some canceled vaporware game. I'm curious if Kelsey can speak to whether anyone can or should care about preserving weird outliers like this, or if it's good riddance when a game like The Last Hope disappears. You have already answered your own question by saying there was a lot of media attention and people were talking about it. It's relevant, baby. Yeah. You like it, that's, I, so I think that... Um, I'm going to try to not make this a super long explanation. Like it is physically impossible that we will like perfectly archive and save every single game and every single game will be playable and easily searchable. And just, you know, just with the bazillions of, you know, whatever's coming out on steam and mobile and all of that and and itch.io every day, we're not going to catch it all. Um, But I think nor, nor would any of that really be findable, you know, like if it's just, ball bounce number 93 or whatever. Like no one's ever going to know to even look for that or where to find it or what to write about it. But as soon as you have some level of like of relevance for a game, I think it's at least important that we have some record that this existed. Does it have to be playable? Not necessarily. Maybe it can just be like a video or some, you know, news articles and some screenshots and stuff. But like, if people were talking about it, I think we've already decided that it's noteworthy, right? And it also speaks to, like, how big The Last of Us is, right? Like, if this game is so big that there's terrible ripoffs happening, like, that becomes part of the big game's story. So I'm kind of focusing on, like, this one example that you gave, but um, the point is, the short version of this, I think, is, like, it's impossible to do it all, Um that doesn't mean you shouldn't. We shouldn't try. And it also like there's some amount of like if it's so bad as to be notably bad, and people are talking about it, then yeah. yes, absolutely, it's part of like the larger story. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, you know uh, what you said in the past about game preservation um, and how it's just like just from an educational standpoint, it's interesting to go back and find like some creators early games. Like you never know, maybe the creator of last hope will go on to create the biggest PlayStation franchise that dwarfs last of us, you know, but I was thinking that recently cause I went back and played Disney magic Tetris challenge on the Nintendo 64. Um, oh, I love that game. You know, that game. It's yeah. It's we. It's a weird game. Yeah. It's super weird. It's got, you know, it's a lot of weird twists for Tetris where there's huge pieces coming through and wonky shapes and all that stuff. But the weird thing about it that I thought, or why I went back to it is it's the first game that was directed by Hirabayashi who went on to direct so many of the Zelda games and Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And did you know that, Kelsey? I did not. There we go. Uh, so it is fun just to go back and look at it as like a weird fusion of Disney and it was a Capcom game. So like Disney, Capcom, Tetris, and then like future talent. It's just like this Venn diagram. And it's fun then to go back to a game like that and just be like, okay, 
is this level of quality for Disney Magic Tetris Challenge? Is there anything I can glean from this for Hirabayashi's future career in game development? And so, yeah, it's a reason to preserve everything. And it's a good lesson, too, that you probably can't find Disney Magic Tetris Challenge anywhere uh, reasonably. I don't think they're going to pop it up on the Nintendo Switch online service or anything. It's just kind of lost unless you can go find the old cartridge, I guess. Um, also, they have, like, in the list of modes here, there's a lot of interesting things about Disney Magic Tetris Challenge. But one of them is like the mode for just standard Tetris is called Up Down Tetris, which really confused me. I like dug through all these modes. Like Up Down Tetris? Who would think that that's I standard I don't remember Tetris? that. That's funny. It's really weird though. Do you remember the story mode where you like choose a character, a Disney character, and then like you go through it and you fight, you know, Pete at the end and he's really tough and all this stuff. But then the cool thing is then you choose a different character and you see like a different version of that story and you have to play them all to kind of piece together like what is the bigger picture here? It's like immortality, you know? It's- it's a yeah exactly it's exactly like that um it's a genuinely interesting tetris game and yeah there's there are tetris pieces in there that are made up of like nine blocks so they're just these huge horrific monster blobs that you have to try to fit in your game yeah uh stark writes in they say what studio closure do you think has had the biggest ripple effects on the games industry as a whole that's a great question my first instinct, and I'm curious to hear people in the comments sound off on this. My first instinct is Bullfrog. Uh, Peter Molyneux and a bunch of talent uh, came from that. Yeah. But yeah, so that is in Guildford, England. And as far as I understand it, like that was kind of the supernova was once Bullfrog imploded. And Lionhead obviously went on and that was another big studio until that imploded as well, which kind of furthered this. But that spawned like a wild explosion of talent in Guildford. England, which then led to like Criterion Games, Hello Games, Media Molecule came out of there. There was talent from Bullfrog that then went over to Bungie. Like there's there's a weird supernova uh, experience from Bullfrog going down back in the day. And now Guilford has like Mediatonics there, like the Fall Guys developer, Supermassive is there, Fireproof Games is there, in addition to all those other studios. Like Guilford is just a weird hotbed. And I think a lot of it is from just Bullfrog imploding back in the 90s. I do think it's interesting to think about this from a, like, uh, geographical perspective, too, because I wasn't thinking of that immediately. But, I mean, uh, like, Budcat Studios, Budcat Creations, the um, Guitar Hero and... Um, and, and all of that, those guys, like, that's in Iowa City. That's, like, the only video game hub that whole state has. And so losing that was just, yeah, black hole of video game talent now where it's just like okay there's you can't go you got to move now like you can only move that is your only option if you want to stay in this industry yeah yeah by the way did i tell you that i bought that home depot game for the Wii that they developed after listening to your podcast about it i I need (laughs) that home depot game i gotta play that so sarah do you want to come over at some point we can play a home depot game on the Wii. that actually sounds fun oh all right are we like hammering nails with like Wii modes? I think so. I think it's like just a series please, of crappy mini yes. games and stuff. Yeah. I hope they have the music in there, but I don't know when they drop that music. We can play our own Menards music over the top of it uh, to really tie it all together. I think That's sacrilegious. Yeah, so you're right. What? Um, no, but uh, this is obviously sparked by Volition uh, shutting down, which is a little bit like uh, Bugcat in Iowa. Volition series uh, developers behind Saints Row. Red Faction, Rest in Peace, Descent, Free Space, uh, Agents of Mayhem, if you care about that type of thing, uh, Punisher, the most recent Sansa, obviously. Um, Embracer Group last week shut them down right when the Starfield embargoes were lifting. Interesting timing. But then also that was like on the 31st, and it was also, you know, employees there said like, uh, if they would have done this on the 1st, they'd have to pay for our health insurance for another month, so... Maybe. Oh, that's much nicer than what I thought mm-hmm. it was, which is a news dump. No, it's not about the news dump. 
so it's hidden. It's about not paying people their yeah, insurance. More than likely. Which totally makes them sound less evil than the yeah. alternative. Thank God. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's brutal. So this is a developer in Champaign, Illinois, which talk about kind of a game development desert in the Midwest. You know, it's like, hey, Madison, Wisconsin is doing great. Um, but in terms of Illinois, it's like, I think High Voltage is there. Uh, Nether Realm, I guess, is now the biggest developer, I'd imagine, in Illinois. But Volition. Our Galaxy. Our Galaxy, yes. Young Horses? Ooh, I don't know. I know they, they came up through, like, DePaul, but I don't necessarily okay. know if that means that they're there. I don't think... Oh, the Jackbox so. guys are in Chicago. Yes, yes, good point, good point. Yes, for sure. Yeah, good call out. Um, but still, it's a real real blow. Uh, hundreds of people losing their jobs in Illinois, uh, down there at Volition. And it's just like, I don't know, I, th- I think I was tweeting about it, and I called them a legendary studio. And afterwards, I paused. I was like, do you give them... Are they legendary status? It's like, they, they've been around for 30 years. Like, they have such a wild, deep legacy. Like, you got it. You got to give it up for a studio that's lasted 30 years and has created some real iconic stuff. And the reason that this happened, uh, zooming out big picture as far as we can tell, is Embracer Group. Remember the company where we all made a bunch of jokes about like, ha ha, they're buying everything. These, these folks are crazy. Whoa, look at them go. Mm. Um, and then they were counting on a big deal coming through from Saudi Arabia, it turns out. And then that did not happen. And they missed out on that $2 billion influx of cash from Saudi Arabia and then as a result of that they said "Uh, we need to tighten everything down and a result of that is shutting down a legendary studio like Volition which just hurts oh it made me so mad aren't industry monopolies fun yes this is why it's especially brutal right Um, but yeah I I have a soft spot in my heart for uh, Volition because I was there in 2011 uh, for the Saints Row 3 cover story for Game Informer Um, and they were so sweet. It was fun because it was like, oh, it's a game studio for a cover and we get to drive there. Let's like drive down to visit them in Champaign, Illinois. Um, and so it was like Dan Reichert in the back with Jeff Cork and they played Zelda 2 the entire drive down. I remember like that was their mission to beat Zelda 2. And, but then we, once we got there, like we um, did an interview with the founder, Mike Kulis, and he was so sweet and so open. And I remember like we asked him one question just to be like, hey, how'd you get your start here at Volition? And then he talked for over an hour about just the full history of Volition. Then we blew that out and we made like a whole hour-long documentary. It's on Game Informer's YouTube channel if you want to find it out, just about the, the full history of Volition in those early days. And it turns out, after the fact, Mike reached out and he's like, yeah, the reason I was so open is like I was retiring the next month and like I hadn't told anybody yet. So he's like very eager, very nostalgic. And so they gave us so many old photos and assets and they gave us just like this big folder of assets for this documentary. And I remember one of the things in there, and I think I still have on a hard drive is they gave me the full script to Summoner, that PS2 RPG, just to have like the raw script to Summoners. I can't imagine using this in the documentary, but I like that I have the script to Summoner. Uh, so they were, they were a very sweet studio. Uh, sad to see him go. I guess you could say the Leo Vader curse continues because he got back into uh, Saints Row again this year. Someone so. in chat had mentioned it. Though he, really? Leo's not shutting down studios. He's Since not. He's not. That's right. That's right. He's, gradu- is... he's growing more powerful by the <laughs> Someone day. Oh, my God. I him. never... Oh, that's such a scary thought. I did not think of that. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Game Informer, uh, if you're curious about Volition history and stuff, uh, remember they announced they were making a game with Guillermo del Toro that was called Insane. Um, and then at Game Informer, we did like a whole special edition of the podcast, kind of blowing out and detailing exactly what that was. And it was like a first person game uh, that was uh, Lovecraftian horror inspired by Bioshock. And so if you want the inside story on what that Game of Toro Volition game could have been back in the day, you can check that out on Game Informer's YouTube channel. What's Game Informer, Sarah says in the backstage past chat. It's interesting. 
Um, let's see. Uh, Andres Martin says, hey, y'all, last time Sarah was on the podcast, she mentioned that she plays Magic the Gathering. As someone who absolutely loves the game, what format does she play? Any favorite types of decks? Any chance for some Magic the Gathering related content at MinMax? Um, let's just let's just lower your expectations a smidge <laughs> with how good I am at Magic the Gathering. Um, I got started in college and I was just buying like the little starter decks. Like you get a pack and it has like two decks that are like pretty good matchups. Um, and I played that and that's how I first got into it. Um, my favorite type of decks to play are the blue-white control decks, which don't win a lot, but at least when you lose, you lose quickly. Um, essentially what it means is that, like, I don't let you play anything ever, um, and then I don't really play anything, I just kind of block until I get, like, my big monster, and then I play it and you go down in a few turns. But yeah, very, I don't want you to have fun and I'm not gonna have fun playing. Cool. Um, but that's, I don't like... When I put too many cards on the, you know, the play field, because then I have to do a lot of math. So I try to eliminate the mm. amount of, like, counting I'll have to do personally. Right, um, right, My friends recently got into the commander decks for Magic the Gathering, so I've been, like, trying to get back into it through the commander format, which I didn't realize was so popular, but that seems to be, like, the most popular format for Magic, and it's the most casual. So I've been trying to get into that. Um, and so I made a deck of only cats, which I have here. Listening. Uh, this cat inspired it all. This is like a like oh. Lisa Frank. Oh my kitty. god! Yeah, that is a Lisa Frank. I know. Star. It's Incredible. like a re-art. I know. So basically, I have a lot of cats, and then I equip weapons to my cats, and then my cats buff my other cats, uh-huh. and it's like a cat extravaganza. Stop which selling. You've already sold a lot it. When you say you made a deck of cats, is because I don't know anything like at yeah. all about Magic the Gathering. Like literally, it's like if you you know you said your your dad thought you made Tears of the Kingdom. That's me with Magic the Gathering. So mm. this may be a really like basic question, but when you say because you mentioned like oh I bought like a starter deck, and then mm-hmm. you said I made a deck. Is that like you're pulling cards from a bunch of different kinds of basically decks to build basically your own? yeah. So basically, you know the decks that I have now. It's like all of these cards are from different like releases, okay. but you can play them together. Um, these are my cactuar. Is there, like, a rule about, like, you know, because I'm sure there are rules on, like, what you can have in a deck? Yeah, well, like, like, if you want to say, like, sometimes they'll do, you know, they just release, like, the Lord of the Rings set. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can only play with cards in Lord of the Rings, which is more, like, drafting from specific decks. But if you're playing Commander, you can pull, there are only a few cards that are considered, like, illegal that you cannot play with, and there is a list of those. But other than that, it's, like, every card is on the table, from any pack and like so my only quality my only thing was like does it have a cat on it and apparently i didn't realize this there are a lot of cats in magic the gathering so like my friend has like a ghost deck and it's all ghosts um and yeah mine are all cats so there's like creature cats there's like humanoid cat warriors in here this is so good i I Look love at this, this cat because wizard. This is what I like, like to do wizard. in Pokemon too, where I'll make my team. Yes. Like once I kind yes. of finish, so when I run through mm-hmm. the game the first time, it's like probably my a regular regular team. But then mm-hmm. if I'm still playing or something, I'll have like my team of like maybe it is all ghosts. Maybe it's like um I have like a Latin American theme team where it's like the the um, Mexican and Puerto Rican. So it's like the Pokemon I feel embody the culture are in that okay. team, mm-hmm. and then you know yeah. yeah so, so yeah, fun. I like that. This I like this cat a lot. Hang well, Chad is saying that they would be into a new show plus, new show plus. that's like 
just magic. Someone, you know, I know Sarah. I know you're very humble on your abilities, <sighs> That's tough. but like, if you, I'm, I'm sure you're humble. You're more than a good enough tutorial teacher. Like, I think you're I'm downplaying your knowledge All a little right. bit. But I'm putting it on the list. Um, put it on the list. Yeah. We're gonna unpack it. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. What's cute. That's what's cool. Sanctuary sure cats are my favorite. I was trying to collect a bunch of sanctuary cats. Even if we just no did Sarah shows all like her Magic the Gathering cats, people like, be into this it. has so many different episodes that it could that's be. It. That's I could show all my bird um, Pokemon cards. I collect bird. Yeah, oh, yeah, only yeah. Bird Weird collections. We should definitely have like a collector's corner thing. I mean, this is my most expensive card. This one was fifty dollars. That you do a separate one that has a different name so that we don't have the same name for two different shows. Why wouldn't we just do an episode of Collector Corner that was us in our collection? Because I feel like collector, you know, and it's. Now yeah, we're getting sure. very meta, but I feel like Collector's Corner is more about like guess a level of uh, there's a level of like additional intrigue and grandiosity to Collector's Corner that I feel like something like some of like my I don't think I would be good for Collector's Corner for instance because it's like oh yeah I have ten Switch games that you can buy at GameStop this right, second like right, I don't right. have interesting collections but I still have collections they're just not that interesting okay all right we'll figure out some uh, Jonah Abraham writes in uh, saying on last week's podcast this is basically the corrections section. Uh, correction corner. Uh, Jonah Abraham says, on last week's podcast, Hanson mentioned his father totally mangling the ending of 1984, where they overthrow the oppressive society, then build one just like it. That's definitely not the plot of 1984, but it is the plot of Orwell's other extremely famous novel, Animal Farm, which is also highly worth reading. I never read that. I, I'm impressed my dad just managed to swap those. That's that's more impressive. Oh God, animal Farm spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I know sorry, we all read everybody. it in high school, but I didn't. So I didn't either. It always seemed tempting because it was really short. It's always the one where it's like, oh, if you got to choose it, from a list of books, like yeah, this is the I classic. should read it. I mean, I, I do like Orwell stuff, so like I like, I like the dystopian stuff. So we you know. love Orwell. Uh, we'll Blake Blake Owlet writes in and says, "Hey Ben and crew, Blake from Canada here. I've been listening since the Game Informer days, but naturally the NHL related misinformation is what prompted me to sign up after all this time. I'm sorry to say that Kyle Hilliard's overtime multi puck rules are not." correct Uh, (laughs) just completely nonsense apparently that we spouted on the podcast last week but i did want to share my personal favorite rule because it's real and the nhl is ridiculous teams dress a starting goalie and a backup goalie for each game if both goalies are injured during the game an emergency backup as designated by the league is brought in in 2020, 42 year old building manager David Ayers was brought into the NHL game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and won. And if that's nonsense, somebody write in because we need more NHL corrections, please. Thank you. Um, Drake Heinhorst says, Hey, man, Max, Ben, last week you introduced the, the last segment as something as we prefer to call it Get a Load of This. This implies there's another name for the segment that you just don't prefer. What would that be? Um, I forget. So we have, if you're a $5 supporter on Patreon, you can listen to the earliest meetings where we come, literally the earliest meetings we had about forming MinMax and stuff. Um, and I forget if it was in that or another meeting, but I am so glad we didn't go this route. But genuinely, the get a load of this segment, we were choosing between get a load of this for the name of it, or <laughs> I don't know why these words gross me out. Or the other word was juicy nugget. It's gonna be juicy <laughs> nugget at the end. Yeah, of the that's show. really that is a little gross. It's but it wasn't as good. scary as I thought it was gonna be. No, it's so just really... I, I think when uh when Kyle Bossman was hosting, he said something like, Give me your loads. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he said right. that was horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was worse than juicy nugget. There's no doubt yeah. about it. <laughs> Uh, Sean Mill says, hey, man, Max, I wanted to add on to last week's discussion of what the best robot is. Ben's answer was Uncle Simon from Twilight Zone. But Uncle Simon is actually played by a more famous robot named Robbie the Robot. 
He was built for the famous 1950s sci-fi movie Forbidden Planet, but he was so expensive he got reused in several other MGM projects, including The Addams Family and Columbo. Ironically, he did appear on Lost in Space as well, where he battled the most famous robot from that show. I believe Robbie the Robot is in fact the best robot, or at least the hardest working one. Yeah, God bless him. I can't believe he was sentient too. We should talk about that more. Uh, Braulio Martinez writes in and says, not so much a question, but last week you were pointing out that Starfield doesn't have ground to space travel and instead it makes you go into a menu. You mentioned No Man's Sky, but I personally demand justice for the Ubisoft gem Starlink Battle for Atlas on Nintendo Switch, which in 2018 uh, could do what Starfield can't. Uh, fair point. We don't give enough credit to Starlink Battle for Atlas, and yeah, you could apparently go down to the planet, and you could do it as Star Fox in the Switch version of Starlink Battle for Atlas, and we all choose to ignore that fact. It should have been as big as Starfield is now. I agree. Um, do you sell uh, Starlink toys in your store, Kelsey? Is that something that comes through ever? It, it sure, like it has happened. It's not. It's not very okay. often, but okay. it has happened. Yeah, there you go. it's uh, sold exclusively. That's like all. <laughs> it's flying off the walls. Uh, Ravid Lime writes in, they say, is there a story of you as a child that your family still brings up no matter how long it's been? I accidentally locked myself in the bathroom in the middle of the night when I was six. So I wrote a, oh, oh no. So I wrote a health note on some toilet paper using my mom's eyeliner pencil and slipped it under the door then proceeded to make a bed out of towels. This is the most like, that's like, I feel like the calmest response a six year old could have in that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. I, that sounds cozy, though, actually. I um, have a similar story, but my parents refused to tell it. But when I was younger, I broke my arm jumping on a table. And I was uh, like, I was also six. I had no parental supervision. I was like left alone in a room by myself. And I jumped off a table, broke my arm. And <sighs> I took out, I had a little Harry Potter spiral notebook. And I had my sister. I dictated my last will and testament to her <laughs> for my Harry Potter spiral journal. Because I was laying there, like, with a broken arm, and, like, my dad was in a meeting. So we were just kind of waiting for him to come out of his meeting. Because the kind of kids we were. Whoa. Like, we were like, don't, don't disturb father while he's in a meeting. <laughs> Hannah, will you please listen to my last will and testament and copy this down in my Harry Potter You're spiral You're so oddly notebook. Victorian as a kid. Yeah, and the bones, like, <laughs> coming out of your arm. Father. <laughs> oh I like this story because I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like I can very much see this being yeah. your reaction mm-hmm. to breaking your arm. Oh Do you remember what God. you had? Like, what you were listing off? Like, <laughs> I literally, I still have the notebook. Oh, and it's just like, With the note? like, Hannah can have my toys, okay. but she can't have this toy. Oh. Um, tell my parents I love them. Hey, <laughs> like, hang on. Ready to t- New Show Plus? Everybody's last will and testament? You were ready to die. I was ready to die at the age of six. Jesus. It's just been a long road since then. There's, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of long roads, it's going to be a long road of just constantly being scared of everything, having a kid. But it is weird to be like, at some point, he will do something stupid, like like jump off a table and break his arm. And just like, we're already in countdown mode to something stupid happening, and it's going to be horrifying, and he's going to be in a lot of pain. And like, no matter what, no child gets to their childhood without something stupid yeah, that kids, hurts a lot. Kids bounce back so fast. Yeah. It's, it's unfair how quickly their little bones heal. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen you move your arm the entire podcast now that you mentioned it. I do have a pretty wicked scar. Really? Where it was, Yeah. Like Ooh. you can't really oh. see it, but it's like we we'll say it for little, New Scar like, Plus when we show all, all right our scars. <laughs> I, had, I had to get I surgery on it. 
Oh, oh God. God. I was a very accident pro child. I I'm so scared of breaking a, a bone. I've never broken anything. Oh, you should break one just to get oh, it brag. over with. Brag, Janet. Look at me. Just I'm stuck because I'm uncoordinated because I'm full of fear. Mm. <laughs> don't, don't be impressed. Has anybody else got a story that their parents constantly screaming them about? Yeah, my mom. Well, my mom loves telling stories about me, but I think my favorite one and another very like, oh, yeah, I can see you being that kind of thing. Like, it's it's a very me story. Um, my mom was pregnant with my little brother, so I was like four years old, maybe. And a random lady just, you know, like we're at the supermarket or whatever. She crouched down and was like, are you so excited about the baby in your mommy's tummy? And I apparently put my hands on my hips and went, it's not in her tummy. He's in her uterus. Yeah. <laughs> Good parenting. Love that lady. <laughs> Did not let her peddle misinformation to you. Yeah, and I've been insufferable ever since. Kelsey so. just owning people in the middle of the grocery store. Like just <laughs> now sit down before you fall down. Uh, yeah, my parents love telling the story, but also uh, the story of my sisters do too um, because I have two older sisters. And so... Uh, you get bullied a fair bit, you know? And so what they did is they pretended that there was a third sister that died. And they'd be like, come on, Ben, you have to come look at your, your other sister that, that this is died. This way too common of a story. Oh, yeah. Like, come check out the sister. And then my oldest sister would run and hide and hide under her bed. And they'd be like, her name's Carrie. Go talk to Carrie. And my sister would be under the bed like, Ben, help me. I'm your lost sister. <laughs> It's, believe it or not, scared the hell out of me yeah, when I was a stupid horrifying. little kid. So don't do that, everybody. Uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? I like the gorilla. I we like, all the, like um, the gorilla. Oh god, I'm trying to remember the other ones. There was one where uh, I, good questions this week, everybody. I like the um, the video game parties that looked fun. The dancing question, big gorilla question. Um, Kelsey, don't be too partial just because it involves a gorilla. Um, the one oh, about yeah. yeah family stories. I'm between dancing and gorillas for what it's worth. So <laughs> I think I like the dancing New sentences. ones. We do a lot of. I think we. I try to spread them out, and we do a lot of like animal food mm-hmm. ones. I think the dancing one is good. Sarah. Nobody cool. asked me if I danced for the dancing question. Can you? So well, are you? Like you you're right. Are you willing to answer if I ask you now? Yes. Do you dance? Do you like to dance? Will you have this dance? I'm missing one of the dances, but <laughs> you, you figure it out. Yes, I do dance, and okay. I did grow up dancing. Thank you. Really? What kind of dance? It. Yeah. I was that kid who was always in dance classes, so I was in ballet, jazz, tap, hip-hop. I danced competitively. Hip-hop. Oh, my God. Wow. Can you still mm-hmm. dance now? I mean, I don't think the skills... The skills have probably degraded a bit, but I still like to think that I could dance and like learn a routine or something. I will say, Sarah, like, uh, we had a whole dance incentive during Extra Life where every time somebody donated a certain amount for charity, we'd break into a, a dance. Most of us were flailing around like morons. Somehow, it was like... Genuinely, Sarah, if I give this compliment, I thought, like, Sarah's, like, dancing well, <laughs> standing <laughs> behind a desk, just, like, shimmying a little bit. It like, was hard, because it's, like, yeah, the cord <laughs> was wrapping around my body. Right, you shouldn't be it able to like impress somebody with that dance skills, but you, you pulled it off, yeah. Um, did I really move on from that question so fast that you didn't get a chance to jump in? Yeah, or you... nobody asked me, and I just assumed it's well, because you Well, I don't want to ask, jump dancer. in if you're a pro you were, like, dancer. obviously, Sarah I think it's because we went long in the tooth on some of the other details and then we just kind of assume like you know what I mean yeah. sometimes that happens yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're like talkers we on this show yeah. uh, Derek congratulations we're shipping out a prize for you um, that uh, Genesis Noir vinyl soundtrack from Miami Pit uh, now it's time for something we call Juicy Nugget <laughs> 
<laughs> gas from the crowd. All right. Uh, well, hey. I was waiting because I thought the jingle's still playing, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's, that's not. true. Uh, get a lot of this, everybody. I'll kick it off. Um, he's not on this episode, so we can talk more about him. Uh, Leo Vader put out a new video on his YouTube channel, hey. and it's called Working Weird Fake Jobs from Rom-Coms. So it's a video about just like how everybody has just kind of yes. some fluffy, cute job in every rom-com ever, right? But just in case you never looked at one of Leo's videos, you should just jump in and check this out because he elevates things to a level. I, maybe, I think as a video producer, I always have this weird thing where I watch other people's videos and I go like, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that, can't do that, can't do that. And a while ago, I feel like Leo's videos got to a point of like, I couldn't dream of doing what he's doing at this point. It has become full... I don't know, uh, Pee-wee over there. There is a level of lore and fun and silly and puppets that is, I could not begin <laughs> to fathom how to put it together. So there's it's a link puppets below. Puppets now? Very funny puppets that his friends are commandeering. So check it out on Leo's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Leo Vader. It's in the link below as well. Um, who's most excited to go? Who's got the best? I'll go, but I don't have the best. I actually probably have the worst, but I'm still Great. excited. Let's hear it. Um, so there you go. Um, uh, mine is get a load of this. Um, just, this is kind of a late acknowledgement for my part, but it just, it lives with me. So I've started getting back into, um, MLS. Um, those who like follow the show or my content a lot know that I like soccer. Like I play like DA games, like I'll watch soccer games. Like I like like the, um, Mexican national team. Like, you know, I've talked about soccer yeah, a sure, decent amount. Yeah, sure. Um, and, um, uh, Messi is now in MLS as people who know MLS know, uh, like the player, like Lionel Messi. And it just continues to be like, it's Messi's world and we're just living in it. I will say the thing that makes this kind of fresh is the fact that he had his first MLS game, like officially like regular match, not Champions League, like only a few weeks ago. But he came to LA um, and I just want to acknowledge the spectacle of what Messi has been. So I have a couple articles like to refer back to for it, but um, the star studdedness so i have to emphasize too this is a regular season match okay like a normal game it's not a playoff game it's just a regular but messi's like on the you know on uh the miami team they came to la the, prince harry was there <laughs> dicaprio was there selena go was there. oh and what, it's, like every celebrity was there it's like in la you know we just had, had beyonce's renaissance concert came through and that was very star studded too but this one was like Anyone who was anyone was at this regular, just regular, regular game because there's a chance Messi on the opposing team, because we live in Perfect. Los Angeles, will grace the field. And it just it just blows my mind to see it. Like it makes sense because it's like if you know like Messi is I my obviously it's still hyperbole, but I was trying to explain to Isaiah what a big deal Messi is coming to MLS. And I'm like, this is like if if Jesus Christ started playing for the Lakers, like how packed the stadium would be. Like it is <laughs> wild um okay. the lowest resale ticket for this game i believe like lowest like worst seat you can imagine i believe was 700 or 800 dollars on resale like the lowest for a regular game like That's it's just bananas. been it has been a scene to this is a time to be alive okay and the spectacle of it is just like unfathomable and then you know again people that follow messi love messi forever they know he's an amazing game the player he's in you know the goat right but like and then just seeing him play too, and seeing other—it's—it's it's, it's just a thing. wild time. Okay. But anyway, there we go. Love it, uh, Sarah. You got one? Yeah, there's some drama coming out of the Minnesota State Fair. No. Uh, yeah. Seed, specifically the seed art community. Are you familiar no. with the seed art? Yeah. So essentially, at the Minnesota State Fair, you can like submit a bunch of crafts for judgment, get ribbons, and a really big one is seed art, where you take specifically agricultural seeds and you make works of art out of them 
Um, this year, apparently, it was, like, a mix of, like, memes. There was apparently a lot of, like, orcas sinking ships. But also, like, genuinely beautiful art. But what happened was, is apparently, the one one of the rules of seed art is you can only use seeds that are grown in Minnesota. Oh, So no. the plant has to be grown in the state of Minnesota for it to be a valid seed. And somebody snitched that the yellow <laughs> mustard seed was no longer being grown in Minnesota, but it is very popular for seed art. Apparently, it's, like, really easy to color. It's, like, a larger size, so you don't need a lot of them. Incredibly popular seed. But somebody snitched that they're no longer planting it in Minnesota, so it can no longer be used. It's no longer valid Oof. for state fair seed art. What are, you, what are you doing? Who's that little rat? I don't know. People are, like, people are, like, they're trying to convince farmers to grow it again so it can be, like... They can use it in their art. Like, it is just, like, the, they have been shaken to their core. Oh, I'm did, so sorry. Did this also come out, like, while people already had made the art? Is it, like, a, a bunch of stuff got disqualified? I think or it is came this... out, like, right after the state fair. Someone was okay. like, hey, you know that, like, we don't really grow, we don't really use yellow mm. mustard seed anymore. And everybody was like, shut up. <laughs> snitch. So somebody snitched. And literally one of the art says just, like, who snitched about the yellow mustard um mm. yeah so it's uh it's you know we'll see what happens next year there we go kelsey there's nothing i like more than drama of communities i've never heard of that's yep. like my favorite and it's such, like, <laughs> low risk drama too like nobody got hurt like right, nothing right, really right. bad happened but you just i love it ribbons were I lost because of it yeah <laughs> um get a load of this uh my favorite booth at pax this year was the cheese it's booth <laughs> there was a giant booth that was just set up like a bodega with nothing but Cheez-Its in it. And uh, you couldn't buy any of the Cheez-Its, but it was completely filled with Cheez-Its. And then when you got to the end, they had a bunch of really uh, comfy beanbag chairs and you would get a free bag of Cheez-Its. And they had phone chargers and everything there. It was, <laughs> it was where I spent good. all 15 minutes of my break. This is why <laughs> you're a woman after my own heart, because I was walking the floor like the last day with some friends and one of them says oh do you want to hit up the cheese do you want to go get some Cheez-Its and I said yes and they said oh I was just joking and I was like how dare you joke about Cheez-Its why would I say no to that I don't know are we above Cheez-Its no. like what's going no, on like no. what, I'm sorry I didn't know this was a classy walking over the show floor of the convention <laughs> like I was a little offended by their uh the way they disregarded the Cheez-Its booth I'm like that's a very legit booth that I would totally go into but I didn't yeah. end up having time yeah, uh, it literally, it genuinely, like, I, I normally feel like just that kind of marketing stuff doesn't work on me very well. I think I genuinely walked away from PAX liking Cheez-Its more. Yep. Hey, mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> That's perfect. I can't believe they did it. Uh, let's see. Uh, get a lot of this uh, from the community in the Discord. If you're a supporter in any tier, you get access to the Minimax Discord, which is filled with hot, hot, hot channels, uh, including the Get a Load of This channel, which is truly the best social media feed you could ever hope to have. It's everything you need. Uh, Rich shared a link to the latest episode of the Bombcast. Janet, I don't know if you saw this, but Jan Ochoa is on it. And so Rich shares a link with that's timestamped, and he points out that Janet Garcia and Jan Ochoa from Giant Bomb both picked the chef class in Starfield and called their character Janthony Bourdain. Okay, I met another person... <laughs> I'm, I, wait, 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 who is this from the Bombcast? I think uh, I Jan, talked, wait, Jan Ochoa. who is this? Jan. Okay. Jan Ochoa. Um, yeah, like I've been talking <laughs> about a lot of chef people, like I've been talking to other chef people that are calling themselves Jan Anthony Bourdain, like this is like, yeah, like. Wait, hang on, this is a thing. you're saying there's another one in addition to Jan, or did you talk to Jan at PAX about it? Um, I. Story's full of holes. The, well, here's the thing. You forgot, Jan shaved the, his head recently. 
Uh, I think I, yeah, it okay. was, uh, that's who I talked to at PAX. I'm okay, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I feel like, you know, Bethesda's always sharing those stats about like four million people have stepped foot on this moon in Starfield. Like, we want the stats. How many other Janthony Bourdain's are there in Starfield? Yeah, that is actually, I'm more confident than ever. That is 100% who I spoke to about it. And yeah, (laughs) they had the same, I don't, didn't listen to that episode of the Bombcast. Sure. But they had the same, like, gripe that I had of, like, I wanted to be the chef. I was like, yes, like, you know, I'm like, you know, people will always, well, people give a lot of flack for a lot of things, but they're like, did you really role play in the RPG? It's like, yeah, (laughs) I wanted to be Janthony Bourdain. I had this whole plan set up. And I did appreciate that. Um, uh, I think, well, Jenna with the, you know, she mentioned the last episode, but with the pottery stuff, yeah. there's a whole, there's a whole sector of J named people that are totally dying role to role play these very specific, um, non deadly yep. characters. If you want another super deep cut from Game Informer, I apologize, but, um, at E3 2011, I lined up a one-on-one discussion video between Notch and Todd Howard back when Notch was cool and Minecraft wasn't quite out yet or whatever. Um, and I remember like Notch is just a hugest fan of Oblivion because before Skyrim came out and he was talking about like the dorky ways he was role playing Oblivion. He was apologizing and always appreciated like Todd Howard stopped him. and He goes, no, no, no. That's the point. That's the point of the games is to role play in a geeky way. That's what we make these things for. So you all did nothing wrong, Janet. Yeah. Uh, God forbid you say anything else beyond that. <laughs> but yeah, I did meet them and they did talk. They were, he was talking to me about that. He's okay, like, okay, I okay. was Anthony Bourdain and I was, that's why I got freaked out at first. I'm like, is there a third? Ja-? I mean, there's, no, let good. me know you're in the good. comments if you were Janthony Bourdain, because the fact that there's two of us <laughs> is, does blow my mind, yes. Uh, hey, that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast, everybody. Thanks so much for watching or listening to it. And thank you, especially to the folks who uh, support it directly over there on Patreon. If you support us at that uh, bonus podcast tier feed, you get the bonus podcast right in your favorite podcast app. You can more than double the amount of podcasts you listen to from MinMax each and every week. It's just, it's right there. It's a very simple little thing. I think everyone assumes you got to listen to your browser or through your browser in some funky way, but also now available on Spotify. You can just get these bonus podcasts right in your bonus podcast feed, including uh, the Spelling Bee that Sarah and Leo and Dan Reichert and I did at, at 2D Con. That whole recording is up in that bonus podcast feed. Did you enjoy that, Sarah? She's slowly nodding. Yes. Okay, lessons for next time? Maybe not a spelling bee. You don't like spelling bees? I think I think what you should have said is just like done like how to make a video game podcast and that room would have tripled in size. You think so? I, I, yeah, people love people love everyone wants to make a video game podcast. Have you seen yeah, here, that? Here's the yeah. sad reality about panels is that like fun and interesting ones almost never get as much attention as like we stuck a YouTuber in a room and you can just ask them the same ten questions they they answered at the last panel and the I panel feel very added as someone who is that. like Metal Jesus is gonna be at this convention. <laughs> <laughs> no shade to Metal Jesus, obviously like he's doing good <laughs> stuff with his panels, but yes. It, well, you're, you're I just, not wrong. I just, I've done a couple of those panels where you're just like talking in front of a group of people. It's hell. Like, I just, I hate that guilt of like, this is not interesting enough for people to sit and watch and listen to. You and it, run a podcast. You know, but people are going about their <laughs> lives doing this. If it was like, you can only absorb the MinMax show by sitting in a sterile, fluorescent, light-filled room and staring straight ahead, don't absorb the podcast. You know what I mean? So I, I, I always want to have some level of like engagement. Like if we ever did a PAX which I'd really love to next year. Like, I'd love to do a Trivia Tower Live, or I like the Spelling Bees. I think they're super fun. But you're probably right, Sarah. You're smart. You're right. 
anyways, that bonus podcast feed, it's red hot, folks. Uh, also, we'll have party chat in there. It's our bonus podcast each and every week. And the next episode will be Janet and Kelsey unpacking the full pack strip, but also taking questions and calls from anybody at that MinMax Council tier if you want to literally call in and podcast with us. That's recorded every single Monday. Check it out. The Max Spoilers for Final Fantasy 16. If you want more discussion about Final Fantasy 16, you can check that out in the bonus podcast feed. Um, what else we got? Oh, uh, plugs for Trivia Tower. Trivia Tower is coming back, everybody, in September. We've been away for a couple months. Um, so the next episode of Trivia Tower is going to be Tuesday, September 19th. Tuesday, September 19th is the next episode of Trivia Tower. We'll announce the guest on next week's episode, but... There's a guest, but there's also a guest theme, a big reveal of the theme for this Trivia Tower. This isn't a Versus episode because it's been a while, and we normally do it in June, so this episode of Trivia Tower is Trivia Tower, the Grand Round! Grand Round! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, (laughs) Uncanny. Yeah, so that's the $1,000 prize pool. So if you jump in and support us at any tier on Patreon, you can compete in Trivia Tower. And if you know your stuff well, uh, you will win $1,000 with Trivia Tower there if you compete in game trivia. So check that out. We'd appreciate it. Um, Are we still doing the split for the $1,000? Like it is a split. To you, yeah. okay. That's the fine print. Yeah, 500 goes to a charity of your choice. 500 goes to you because we're trying to train people to be good and it's easier so you don't have to send them like tax yeah, forms and stuff. It's a win-win-win. That's like, right. Like that's right. Yeah. Except for the IRS. Lose, 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 we say to them. Yeah, who wants the IRS to win? Like, you guys aren't helping out. Not helping out at all with Different, different topic. Uh, also, uh, in terms of plugs, a um, little vague yet, but uh, we have had a lot of community meetups in Minneapolis um, shout out to everybody who has come out to join us for, you know, like MinMax's third anniversary and a ton of other meetups and stuff like that. We just had one uh, back in June or start of June. Um, but here's the thing. I realized I was going to be in Seattle the weekend of MinMax's fourth anniversary. And Kelsey lives in Seattle. So here's the thing. Uh, the next MinMax community meetup will be happening in Seattle. Not Minneapolis. So Sunday, October 22nd, you can come out to a place that we'll be sharing in the very near future um, and meet Kelsey and I and hopefully some other uh, fine folks from the next community, maybe developers from the Seattle scene can come out. The great debate is, will we have a bigger turnout or a lesser turnout? Because we're not in our home turf, but there's a lot of dorks in Seattle. I don't know, Kelsey. I got, I had so many MinMax comments this weekend at PAX, and yes, some of them could be from out of town and stuff, but I'm just just saying, I think it could be big, and I'm just very excited to participate. I feel like I'm part of this thing. Well, yeah, of course you are. You are, Kelsey. You are, I'm glad you feel it, though, because that matters more than the fact part of it in a lot of ways. No, like, no no BS. Like, yeah, I'm, I mean, you totally are a part of here, like, people like love your contributions here i love your contributions here all of us do oh, I, um, I wasn't asking for all this but thank you <laughs> yeah, well too bad okay <laughs> sit down and take the compliments that's right um, we're not with the but uh on, on that note too i did meet someone as well from min max from oh. the area and i mentioned i like like i teased the thing you're talking about so i'm like oh, oh yeah cool it's happening so and i was like oh yeah if you can make it out like you know, we'll be announcing it like whenever or whatever. Yep. So October 22nd. Uh, also a uh, quick uh, programming update. This is normally the stuff we have in party chat and kind of go into it, but um, cream of the steam, the show, everybody knows jumping through a bunch of steam games. Um, it will return, um, but it might need a little bit of a breather uh, to kind of reformat things a little bit. There's a, a technical reason that we need to take a little bit of a break. Cause I need to actually build out a new PC um, to get in the mid max studio. It was a hint of where we can go in the future. Um, so don't expect that in the near future, but it'll be here in the soon future. 
Is that a good way to put it, Sarah? Yes. Okay, there Prepare we go. your PC. Prepare <laughs> your it. PC. Oh, Micro Center, help me, please. Um, all right, that is it for this episode. Sorry it went long, everybody. Does anybody else have something they're dying to plug here? No, but imagine going to Micro Center and being like, I need this PC to play the most unoptimized, <laughs> jankiest, borderline illegal games possible. <laughs> yeah, are you familiar with Archer Games' work? What's that? No? Okay, anyways, uh, that is it for this episode. Again, can't thank y'all enough. We greatly appreciate it, and we'll be back next week for a whole new episode. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!